Hello and welcome to episode 402 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and listeners, I mean, we're in early February now, uh, and you might have noticed that every new week there's new awards show. The uh, Video Game Awards and the Golden Joysticks were in December, uh, the Emmys were in January, the Golden Globes were in January, The uh, I think the Grammys... And, um, are in February and the Oscars uh, are in like first week of March but basically somehow December through February is award season so we're doing our own versions of, of an awards show but the retro encounter version of, of an awards show is a fantasy draft so that is what we're doing today before I further explain let's uh, let me meet the other people in my fantasy league starting with Jimmy Turner hello also Alex Franischek hello and who someone who frustratingly got the number one overall pick a few <laughs> minutes before recording, Zach Wilkerson. I'm here. Zach, Jimmy, Alex, uh, we are doing possibly the strangest draft we've ever, we've ever done. Um, we do fantasy drafts a couple of times a year on Retro Encounter where we uh, will take a video game series and then draft characters or aspects from that series and make a fantasy team of sorts. Um, there's no competition beyond the draft. We just like drafting things because it's a fun exercise. Um, but this was an, an idea that started out um, from Alex that we refined a little bit and basically arrived in this current incarnation. We are going to draft our just favorite parts of RPGs. And it, but instead of like Frankensteining those RPG parts into a into a full RPG, we are uh, nominating them for a fictional awards show. So each of us is going to end up with a list of nominations from RPGs throughout history into a into an awards ballot with the very annoying caveat that once a game has been picked for something, anything, it cannot be nominated for another category. And I, I, just for uh, the sake of examples, I'm going to use either Zelda or Final Fantasy uh, for all of these explanations. Once Final Fantasy VI has been picked for best character, um, then it cannot appear in any other category. Once uh, Link is drafted as best protagonist, um, Link cannot be, can, like no other version of Link can be drafted. Uh, it, it's a little weird. We will probably negotiate the rules as we play the game. But the the basics are, um, once a game has been chosen, it cannot be chosen ever again. Uh, sequels are, are fine. So like uh, once Final Fantasy VI is chosen, Final Fantasy VII can still be chosen. Remakes or alternate versions or expansions cannot repeat. So once uh, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers is chosen, no Final Fantasy XIV expansion may be chosen again. Um, and also, uh, we're going to be fairly generous with terminology, like what is a character, what is a protagonist, um, what is gameplay. We'll, we'll be a, we'll be pretty generous with that because we more, we care more about the, the the individual game rules more than the like like uh, the fine finer points of the vocabulary of the categories. Um, but before we bring up those categories, do we have any any questions about those ground rules? No, think I'm all set. Yeah, no questions here. Just uh, sweating for for what's going to be stolen from me. Oh, me too. Especially when I saw Zach get that number one overall pick and and me get the fourth pick. So I'm 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 real worried about a couple of my spots. Uh, but uh, Jimmy, are you good? 
I am good. You answered my uh, question before we started recording about whether this was a snake draft or not. So, <laughs> Right. We were doing a snake draft format. So uh, before we uh, began recording, we determined a, a draft order randomly, and it ended up being Zach, Jimmy, Alex, and then myself. And in a snake draft, we'll, we will go in that order and, and for round one, and then the reverse order for round two. And then repeating that cycle of eight picks four times so that each of us has one pick in each of the eight categories. You don't have to do the categories in any particular order. Um, But the one rule that is the most important one is that a game cannot be repeated. And, uh, and, and again, again, remix expansions don't um, count as the same. So once someone drafts something from FF7, that also locks out FF7 remake. Um, Before we get started, we should say what these eight categories are. Some self-explanatory, some might need some more help. Protagonist, antagonist, side character, story, music, graphics, action gameplay, and systems gameplay. Uh, Protagonist and antagonist should be self-explanatory. Side character is any character in the game that is a supporting character and not explicitly a protagonist or antagonist. We can be pretty... Um, generous with these i like i think magus from chrono trigger could reasonably con- be considered an antagonist or a side character and i would i would as the league commissioner i would accept both um story is less about the cast of characters of a game and more about their plot and the world building and the lore so like uh w- when you're drafting story try not to think too much about the specific characters because we have three other categories about those characters just everything else that you love about a game's story and world besides sort of the leading cast Uh, music should be self-explanatory graphics can be self-explanatory any uh in terms of what it makes good music or graphics just follow your heart what you love best is what matters um action gameplay and systems gameplay action gameplay is things like moving around the world exploring um combat uh interactions with uh with your environment and and other characters while systems gameplay are things like gameplay choices skill systems tinkering class systems, things, um, experience and progression systems. Those are very, very important to RPGs especially, but somewhat separate from the act of moving your characters around or the act of combat. So those are the eight categories. Do we have any questions about those? Nope. All good? Yeah, all clear. I may have another question later, but I'm not going to ask it now because it could affect my draft strategy. So if I get there, then I'll ask it. Let's talk about strategy a little bit. I'll go first. Um, right now, I, I mean, of the eight categories, I've identified eight that I think are pretty safe where my where my top choices are uh, or even top twos are fairly niche and in low danger of being drafted by the three of you. And then the other four categories, which are definitely going to be my first four picks, are going to get completely annihilated. Like I, they, my, I, the problem with me being a basic bitch in my tastes is that I like a lot of popular stuff. So, yeah, the popular stuff I want is going to go fast, and I'm really worried about four of the categories and less worried about the other four. Does anyone else want to um have some thoughts before the draft actually begins? Mine is more about the games than anything. So, like, I I have a, a couple of games. I won't give away which ones that I I, I considered in a variety of categories, just because I think they have like excellence in those categories. Whereas, like, there are some where I'm like, it's really good in this one category and not very good at all in others. Or there's a couple where I'm like, I don't think this game is one that other people are going to take, and so it's lower on my priority list. 
Um, so I, I mostly my strategy is mostly driven by the games themselves and how many categories I think they might come up in. Yeah, pretty similar mentality for me. But with that said, uh, most of my picks, just just knowing what I do know about most of y'all's tastes, uh, I'm a, I'm a little sweaty sweaty about. Um, so I'm trying to just, even as we're we're setting this up, think about what order I want to pick things. I feel like at least six of these could easily be taken, but two I feel at least semi comfortable with. But uh, that's that's not a good ratio. I would say I have three extremely safe picks, one mostly safe pick, and like one category that I don't even I, I like the my top couple so much that I, I don't even mind if, if it gets stolen a little bit. And then three categories that are going to that might even be the fir- the, th- the three first overall picks <laughs> for for as mainstream as uh, as my tastes and preferences are. But uh, Jimmy, do you have any strategy that you're willing to share without giving away too much? That's pretty similar to everybody else's. Um, I kind of ranked um, all the categories, um, and I have like my top three or four, and then I have an actual like an overall rankings board, like you would see for like a draft ranking. You have a you have a real big board, huh? Yeah, I have a real big board that I'm looking at right now. So I, I don't have a true big board. I have a category. I have category specific ones. So I'm I'm drafting by positional need, I guess you would say, rather than an overall big board. Okay, well, if we've that's enough draft strategy discussion. Uh, let's get to the first overall pick, and as I alluded to earlier, that is yours, Zach. So let, let's just get it over with. Um, what 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 are you doing with a certain 2017 game uh, <laughs> where, that I that I feel like I feel like you're probably feeling the weight of the world right now? Oh, uh, you, you got it absolutely. <laughs> uh, so for best story. I'm going to take Nier Automata. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I had it. I, I, well, I, I knew that like, I didn't even bother putting Automata in any other category because I was like, I know I wanted it for story and I know people might take it for music, for example. Um, but it, it obviously would deserve to win there too. But I, I just think that the Nier Automata story is so special. Uh, the way that it builds and builds and builds to that crescendo in ending E. It's funny. I, uh, uh, it's sort of based on a class that Alex teaches. I'm doing like an independent study with some students who are like they're getting their English credit by uh, studying game design. And all three of them are like, oh, ending E was just OK. I'm like, oh, what is wrong with you? Get what? out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're 17. They don't understand. Um, so, yeah, but like this is the story. And it, I know it's obviously not about the characters, but I just think the, the philosophical weight of, of the game and it, it matches uh, my own philosophy so well. And. Uh, I just think it's uh, it's a masterpiece in gaming. Uh, Alex wrote a great piece about the narrative design of it uh, that everyone should go read. Um, and yeah, it, it's deserving of that. Great game. I If I had the number one overall pick, I think I would have drafted Nier Automata for music because yeah, I, 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 I think the Okabe soundtrack is so good. Um, I, I knew Nier Automata would be drafted num- in the first round by you, Zach. So my ho- secret hope was that I was... I would maybe be ahead of you in the draft so I could grab your automata. Yeah. But alas, it, it was not to be. I knew unless I was ahead of both you and Alex, there's there's no way I was going to get it. So, yeah, it was, it was a no brainer for me. But yeah, just just to to say a bit more about Automata's story, just like the, the I mean, like this goes for like the original near two, but just like that unique structure of having to essentially play the game multiple times. But with that never coming with like feeling too repetitive or anything like that and it feels very purposeful in its delivery putting you th- through the perspectives of different characters and just the way that like a lot of story moments just 
can mix up different genres like one moment you're you're doing like an epic story moment that feels appropriate for like a bullet hell where you're in a mech uh other story moments are a lot more quiet and uh like you're just slowly walking through like a certain place without necessarily even battling anything it's just like it's it's a great choice for story even though i would have also probably picked it for for music for for obvious reasons but uh yeah uh, well well done zach um uh, jimmy do you have any comments on near automata um, it was not the number one overall ranking on my big board, so that's good. I can still get my number one pick. Um, I didn't rank it too high um, because I knew that there were three other people that felt more passionately about the game than I did. And so um, I'm feeling pretty good right now, actually. All right. Well, uh, we have 31 more games to talk about. In uh, So, Jimmy, uh, lay us on with that second pick. All right, so when I did my rankings, I went as, you know, just if what I feel what deserves to be a number one pick in a discussion like this. Um, and my number one ranking and what I'm going to go with is I'm taking Kefka from Final Fantasy VI as the best antagonist. Good pick, good pick. All yeah. right. Uh, we gave Kefka a dedicated episode about his antagonistic nature. Oh, it was super fun too. Uh, yeah, uh, um, some years ago in Retro Encounters. So, uh, Jimmy, what um, drew you to Kefka for antagonist? You know, I was always a Sephiroth fanboy, um, being that Final Fantasy VII was the first Final Fantasy that I played as a teen. But uh, as I got older and um, ended up playing six, um, the Kefka hype is real. He actually is, I think, a better antagonist than Sephiroth. No, not taking anything away from Sephiroth. He's he's awesome too, but I really do think that Kefka is the best in the series. He does such a great job of representing sort of the 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 op like the the philosophical thing that you're working against for the whole game, especially in the second half. Um, and he's just so entertaining. Like I I this is, that's a great pick. Yeah, it was uh it was my number one villain pick. So uh, this is going great so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like the, the reason for that is just cause he's so strong, uh, just on top of just like how, uh, well they portrayed him as like this jester, what a kind of surprising arc he goes through just that, that whole fact of him destroying the world and essentially creating that, that second half of FF six, which I think is really what defines it as a, a game and, and defines so much of its legacy, um, that that he he destroyed the world and now you have to deal with a, a broken world and a broken party like that's that's all because of Kefka and it's it's still kind of one of the most interesting plot twists in an RPG. Yeah, and um uh, maybe for that reason or a similar reason, um I had FF6 on my board but for story and not uh and not for villain. Um because I, again, I think that the structure of gathering a party um, experiencing a world-ending event and then re and then regathering the party is uh, is such a powerful effect, especially in for a 1994 game uh, mm -hmm. with with uh, some with great mythology, great uh, like a really compelling story. It was not my number one on my story big board, but it's quite high up. So I was I'm not shocked it went in the first round, um, and I'm not surprised it went for antagonist and not story. But uh, Alex, I know you're a story guy. Uh, first and foremost is is your first overall pick going to be story or uh, do you think that pick is safe for later so it's something that i was originally gonna consider for story but i actually ended up repurposing it and this is probably what i would have went with as my number one overall if i did end up with first pick even over near 
um, and that's Disco Elysium. And um, oh no, <laughs> I, I'm not selecting it for story. Uh, protagonist. I think its story is great, and I'm not selecting it for protagonist oh. either. <laughs> I'm actually going to select it for gameplay systems. Oh, um, okay. So I'm a, awesome. a a big narrative design guy, and even though I think the plot of Disco Elysium is great, and the protagonist is such a nuanced character to portray as a player and role play as. I think ultimately what makes Disco Elysium uh, as special as it is, is its character building system. The fact that your character building is represented as, you know, like the the mind-body uh, human connection that you're you're putting points into things like intellect, into into your psyche, into things like empathy, into kind of your your spiritual side in an in inland empire, and then you're also putting points in the physical side of things like your hand eye coordination and your pain threshold tolerance and things like that, and all of those different aspects of uh, human sensation and human feeling and human thought are represented as their own internal characters in the game. And these characters insert themselves into conversations based on what uh, what skills, for lack of a better word, you put uh, points into. And that kind of informs your character, informs your playthrough, and it informs the story that you as a player make out of the game. It's, it's not about the, the overarching plot necessarily, which is ultimately a, a murder mystery, albeit with a really interesting world with, with deep political lore. Um, but it's ultimately that interaction you have with the character building system and seeing how that plays into uh, your interactions with all the different characters in the game that make Disco Elysium so, so special. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, gameplay systems for Disco Elysium. I don't know if you knew this about me, Alex. I, I have not played Disco Elysium. There was a there was zero danger of me drafting that in the first or second round. So you probably could have saved it for one for one pick later. But I think Zach might have jumped on it for round two or three. I was going to take Harry for protagonist. That was going to be my mm-hmm. second pick. That's so, I see. Uh, I see. It's an excellent excellent choice. Well done. Um, but uh, uh, Jimmy, are you a Disco Elysium fan, or are you in the? Well, it's in my Steam library, but maybe I can get to it in a later date, just like I am. Yep, it's same boat as you. It's in my Steam library since uh, yep. just this Christmas sale, actually this <laughs> this holiday sale. So, yeah, I have not gotten around to it. My backlog is just so long. Oh my my back! I mean, everyone's backlog is insane. I mean, the one running joke of Retro Encounter is that uh, there are too many games, and we will never run out of them. But uh. Uh, fortunately, the, the three of you did some damage to my board, but not irreparable damage. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, and this is, I think Zach's going to see where I'm going with this, but, um, the, I, I have the next two picks. So the last pick of round one and the first pick of round two, and these are two games with the same writer and the same artist <laughs> for num- uh, my number one overall pick. I'm going with story and I am drafting Chrono Trigger. Excellent choice. <laughs> Probably my favorite video game. I adore Chrono Trigger. Uh, the the story of the or the conceit of um, uh, some teenagers discover time travel. Uh, they experience different points of history, uh, see that the world is destined to end in 1999, and then exploring different time periods to try and prevent that apocalypse and uh, and reduce the suffering that they see that they see in a post apocalypse is a beautiful conceit. That did not fit with Yuji Horii's uh, um, 
uh, sort of uh, design philosophy for Dragon Quest. So um, so Yuji Horii and Akira Toriyama, the writer and artist of uh, of Dragon Quest, teamed up with the like a, a Square team at the absolute top of their game to make Chrono Trigger with and again and the the other lead producer of Chrono Trigger was Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy. Um, it, it, it's it's it, it is a it's a game that is so brilliant start to finish doesn't seem to have any wasted space the story's compelling i love that you have a sorcerer a knight a a, a prehistoric person and a robot as the cast it's, it's it's so diverse and good diverse and good um i i've played chrono trigger multiple times and i enjoy it every time i my girlfriend's never played it so my next time is probably going to be oh, wa- yeah. watching her play it <laughs> and desperately not trying to backseat game too hard. <laughs> you know, Chrono Trigger would have been excellent in literally every single category. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thought I thought about it for literally every single category. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't even I didn't even put it on my board because I knew someone would take it before I was going to. Uh, but like it's it's an unimpeachable first round pick. Like it, it, well done. Agreed. It's a it's definitely worthy of a first round pick well there goes my my second top pick for villain which was uh magus after kefka so this is going this is going exactly as i expected i suppose i i I should say that uh the three categories i was most worried about were um my my top three uh picks were uh near for uh for music um chrono trigger for story and then um, my pick for supporting character, which is going to be the first pick of round two. And Zach, I, I think you see where this is going. Mm, she's I, a great I, choice. I have drafted. <laughs> I, I have drafted this. I have drafted this person in in other drafts before. Um, and I'm very informed by by current events because I'm currently replaying uh, Dragon Quest Eleven for the first time. Um, I'm drafting Silvando. Excellent choice. I love Silvando so much. Uh, they are a ray of sunshine in this game. They join almost on a whim. You wonder if this character is too silly for a game that has world-ending stakes. But also Silvando um, brings levity to the party, uh, cares deeply about helping others, and is, uh, and is uh, unquestionably good, is, is, is well-liked by all. Um, but is also not communicated to be silly or weak. Like he, like Silvando's strong. He's a warrior and a circus performer that you know can and a deadly knife thrower. But also, um, he is flamboyant, <laughs> extremely so. But never portrayed as weak or a joke. Just a total delight. And as I re- I'm, as I'm replaying Dragon Quest Eleven now for the podcast because we're doing some Dragon Quest Eleven episodes in a few weeks. Um, I am just continually delighted by Savando, but I love the Dragon Quest XI cast so much. I could have put uh, Jade or um, or Eric or uh, Veronica here, um, but yeah, Silvando's the pick. I actually thought you were going with Alina, um, but yeah, I mean Silvando is such a <laughs> is such a in a game that is amazing. And, and you know, I was talking to my partner about this, and and I was like, ah, Dragon Quest Eleven is really, 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 really good at so many things, but like maybe not enough for me to have it high in any category. And then you said Silvando, and I'm like, okay, never mind, <laughs> I forgot. Great choice. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Quest Eleven is probably my favorite game of the entire 2010s. I've said it on the podcast several times, and I stand by it. Like this game, it hit when i first played it it just hit every single note i wanted to hit um and uh we're going to talk about it in detail in a few weeks but um i i i i'm drafting silvando number in 
in the second round with confidence. But uh, Alex, um, your confidence might have been shaken a little bit with Zach taking near Jimmy taking FF6 and myself taking Chrono Trigger. But you have literally every video game in the universe to pick from other than those four and Disco Elysium for your oh, next pick. You, you have no idea, Slow C. Dragon Quest XI was going to be my next pick for <laughs> active gameplay. <laughs> it, has, um, it has really good combat and really good exploration. And but... just difficulty balance and pacing and town exploration. Just, I mean, I won't get into it because I, I don't get to pick it. But uh, yeah, it, it would have been a great choice uh, word available. I didn't read the room very well. I, I know you're a huge dragon quest head so that probably should have been my number one pick um but let's see here what do i got left um i think i'm gonna go audio um and for this one this is actually another game that i was considering as a story pick but then i'm just like wait part of what makes the story work so well is the audio uh, is the, the the soundtrack and that is uh, undertale oh Ooh, fascinating that is a great that's choice. right yeah yeah <laughs> I um uh, I should I should mention um I like Undertale a lot. I played it only once in 2015, uh, but it was not on my board. I, I don't think I like any one part of Undertale enough to to uh, man to merit picking it. But um, but let's talk about Undertale's music, please. Yeah, so I, I absolutely love Undertale. It's it's one of my favorite games of the the 2010s. Uh, I put it right up there with with Disco Elysium. What what Disco Elysium does for me, for in terms of kind of Western RPG design, Undertale does for me in terms of uh, Japanese RPG design. Uh, but uh, it's got really good gameplay. It's got amazing characters, uh, cool story. Uh, that goes into a whole lot of meta stuff but ultimately it's it's the soundtrack that i think really is the the glue ultimately that make elevates it to just another level um you can listen to any song from this game's ost and uh it's an absolute bop or it's an absolute like tearjerker in terms of its emotional resonance especially if you know the moment it's played in the game but it's particularly the boss themes uh, that I think are so great because they're clearly designed uh, with the specific characters in mind. Like if you listen to Papyrus's theme, like it gives you like it's just very bouncy and goofy and tells tells you all you need to know about that character. My my my, my, fa- my favorite is the uh, showbiz flavored uh, bat- boss battle. Oh, Metaton. Yeah, around around the yeah. game's midpoint. That, that that's um. <laughs> It, it's I don't know how they turned like it, how they like they like they bring in disco sax into it practically, but it's a it's a it's a banger of a theme. Yeah, that that tune's amazing. Um, uh, Undyne's theme specifically in the No Mercy route uh, is like really really cool and just paints her as like this incredibly heroic character that rises to to fight you as you become kind of the villain of the game at that point so so much of kind of the emotional power of this game and emotional power is its most striking quality i think comes from that ost and how it's uh framed around its characters and how it plays to specific moments uh there's a bunch of different use of kind of musical motifs and callbacks uh, which are kind of epitomized in the the true pacifist ending fight uh, with the song Hopes and Dreams, which draws on the different motifs from all the other characters' soundtracks and coalesces into this amazingly emotional fight. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that that's pretty much all I'll say about it. Uh, it's, it's a killer soundtrack and an awesome game. 
we did do an episode on Undertale um, some years ago. That one had some technical difficulties, so the audio is one of the worst uh, uh, retro encounter episodes in terms of audio quality. Unfortunately, that that might be um that might be a candidate for a revisited Revisit? episode. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah, be down. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be I'd be down too because I I wasn't Same. on that I wasn't on that episode. Um, but it uh, uh that was uh, um several years ago, probably. Oh, geez. 2017 i think it was before uh, my time <laughs> i don't want to think about how long i've been doing this podcast but, uh, uh, but undertale was quite a while ago but anyway um jimmy you can pick any rpg you please whether it was from a while ago like kefka or just a, a couple years ago like uh near or dragon quest 11 um what's it gonna be well to be honest i'm really surprised that this game is still on here um and i didn't think that i would be the guy that went back to back final fantasy um to start out my draft but here i am uh, I'm going to take Final Fantasy VII for story. Uh, it might not, some people might not say it's the best story in the whole series, but it's definitely the most memorable for me. Um, it's, you know, it's the most mainstream uh, Final Fantasy there is. Um, you know, and it, for what shortcomings the story might have, it has a lot of just super big, memorable moments. Um, That'll just sit with me forever. So I'm going to go ahead and take it here. And Sorry, anyone. Um, Final, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII is no longer up for grabs. And actually, you know, this is maybe surprising because I genuinely love Final Fantasy VII and FF7 Remake um, for different reasons. Um, it's not on my board. Only because, like, because I was thinking of these really by categories and not by an overall ranking, there isn't one part of FF7 that I liked more than I, than you know one of four or five other games I was able to come up with because I again my my board for each category goes five deep for a, for the for a couple and then like two deep for the ones I'm more confident in. Yeah, I mean, if I had a category for like I don't know best like spectacle big moments, uh, I, I I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Jimmy. Like there are so many like enormous moments, and when I replayed it, I don't know in 2019, I actually was like sort of lukewarm on it but the thing that it does better than anything outside of maybe 16 is it just hits those hits those big spectacle moments mm-hmm. even 26 years later it's amazing on that front so great pick god 26 years later i didn't i don't like hearing that either yeah sorry dude <laughs> is every 2024 podcast gonna make me feel old because so far i think we're like five for five you know that you say it's 2024 it's actually 27 years later i'm sorry <laughs> uh, i always forget that the year changed <laughs> oh no no i i'm i always write the wrong year on things like checks and work forms for at least six weeks before before i figure it out but and we're, we're still in that window here yeah sephiroth was my third pick for villain so um now i, I honestly don't know what i'm even gonna pick for villain anymore so <laughs> it'll be a surprise for all of us I mean, now that Nier is out of the way, I, I, I know Zach's uh, video game tastes probably better than those of Jimmy or Alex, just because I've known you for longer, Zach. Um, but I, I, because we're still so early in this draft process, I really am not sure what <laughs> you're going to take for your next two picks, because you have the uh, the fourth pick of the second round and the first pick of the third round ahead of you. What's it going to be? So let me ask a question um, that occurred to me as I was about to make this pick. It are, do our picks have to fall into the retro year coverage zone? Like they have to be oh. at least two years old. 
Um, no, because okay. um, in recent drafts, including the Final Fantasy draft, that I think all four of us were on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, there were multiple Final Fantasy 16 picks, and I think that game was maybe two months old when we were when that that's draft fair. took place. So yeah. um, again, for for our game journal episodes, the ones that are that dominate each month, those games have to be at least two years old. We do not have such a restriction for this. That is my ruling as a retro encounter fantasy draft commissioner. <laughs> in that case, I'm going to take action gameplay and I'm going to be taking Octopath Traveler 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, which was like a no brainer for me. Uh, Octopath Traveler 2 took what was my favorite combat in an RPG and then it made it better. Uh, by adding just a little more depth, a little more tweaking, just a little bit more. So if this category was just combat, it would be an easy win for me. I love the break boost system. I love uh, everything that you do in combat. Everything requires thought, but it has, we're talking about difficulty curve earlier, except for like the last bosses in that game. Like it all feels very fair. Um, and while it's breakable, it's only breakable to a point. Um, <laughs> but is it boostable? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. But also the exploration in that game is just so strong. Like the day night cycle adds all those things and you can do. It just becomes like this playground, like the RPG playground that I always wanted was Octopath Traveler 2. And I'm the sort of person who when I get a little frustrated, I'll just guide it. But I reviewed it, so I couldn't do that. And I think that made it a better experience for me because I just, it was just all exploration all the time. Uh, and it was just such such a delightful experience. And uh, I, I think in terms of uh, this category, there, there's nothing that surpasses it for me. Um, maybe this will surprise you, maybe not. Um, uh, Octopath Traveler 2 was on my big board. But under visuals, I think it was it's a uh, it's my second or third overall choice for graphics. Um, so I, I it, it, again, it depends on how later rounds of the draft go. But uh, it was that was definitely a threat to be picked by me. But it, it was not at the top of a category, so I'm I'm not heartbroken. A little frustrated, a little worried, but I'm but I'm not. I I, I don't feel like I've been stabbed in the gut like with a near automatic. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was going to take it so early because I know that Alex hasn't played it yet. I wasn't sure about Jimmy and, and you. You seemed like the only real threat to me, but like I like it so much for this category that I needed to get it early. Makes total sense. I, I, again, I don't know how future rounds would play out, but there was a chance of me picking it up for visuals. But uh, you're not done picking. You still have the first pick of round three to go. I sure do. And I'm going to take antagonist from the game that uh, I'm guessing a lot of listeners probably thought I was going to take in the first. Oh, round. yeah. This was the yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to write it down right here. Luke like, is, is that wrong? Is that wrong? Uh, right. That is correct. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I am taking Luca Blight uh, as antagonist. Uh, I was worried about Sweet into getting popped for other categories. I considered actually taking a different character for antagonist here, uh, which is Joey. Um who I was, I wasn't sure if he would fit, but I was like, I think he's close enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, Luca Blight is like the, is the ultimate antagonist. Uh, he is just pure rage, hate. He is a force of nature. Uh, we recorded a, a villain. I think our very first villains podcast was about Luca Blight. I if thought I remember correctly. It might've been I, Kefka. Yeah. I think Kefka and Luca were the first two, yeah. but I'd, I'd have to look, I have to go into the receipts to find out exactly how that played out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's just, uh, and I, and I love that his boss battle, like so often, like they build these guys up and then it's like, eh, eh. but speaking of two is like kind of an easy game, except for that fight. That fight is challenging. Every time I replay it, which is a bunch, like I struggle, uh, people die. Uh, even when I'm like doing my optimized builds, cause I've played it so many times. So it is just, 
he's just such a force of nature and he it, he defines the first two thirds of that game. And then the fact that the game still does well in the last third um, is it is an indication of how strong the rest of the game is. But he is awesome. One thing I love about that boss fight is, um, I mean, it's multiple stages. You have to basically he's charging through your front ranks and you have to sort of slow him down and then finish him off. Uh, For the most part in Suikoden 2, you can roll with with Rio and your and your five best other characters. Um, You need to be 18 deep for Luca Blight because you need to set up three parties to take him down. And. Uh, like if if you have a weak link or two in in those top eighteen, you can lose. <laughs> it's it's intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely died to that fight more than every other fight in Suikoden two combined by a huge margin. Um, yeah, I mean, and like that that's that scene where he's burning down the village, like it's just like etched in my memory. I'll never forget it. <laughs> it's a, a great villain. That uh, those are some remakes I'm looking forward to very soon. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, we, I, I would love to hear more about them, but um, I, I, I have only played Suikoden one and two once each, but I would love to replay them in a uh, in this new package that I hope that I hope we're getting soon. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. But uh, Jimmy, you're not a uh, um, Octopath Traveler two or Suikoden two guy. Uh, we're not going to get into uh, how many Suikoden's that I've actually <coughs> played. Um <laughs> Maybe that's for a confessions episode in the future. Possibly. But, uh, oh, oh, you've you've looked at the back catalog. Yeah, no, we have. We, I mean, I think I did. I said Suikoden for a confessions episode like six years ago, and then played the first three Suikoden games like right after. Uh, but uh, Jimmy, you can't pick Suikoden two or uh, a few of the other games you've already picked. But you have still most of the world of RPGs and most of the boards still available to you. All right, so for this next pick, I'm going to go with, um, for me, the category that was hardest for me to find a lot of good um, examples of, which kind of surprised me at first. Thinking about it, I thought, well, this probably is a plentiful category, but the more I thought about it, um, it wasn't nearly as deep as I thought. So I'm actually going to take uh, The Witcher 3, and I'm going to take Geralt of Rivia as best protagonist. Mm -hmm. Oh, That's a phenomenal pick. Yeah, I was, I was considering that one too. Yeah, he was on my board. <laughs> yeah, so I I don't know. The more I thought about it, um, a lot of like main protagonists, especially in JRPGs, are just silent protagonists. So a lot of them don't necessarily stand out. I mean, you, there there are some for sure, um, but Geralt. I mean, there that I could have put the game. I could have drafted it for several different categories. It does so many things so well, but. Maybe it's because there's a whole, you know, series of novels of lore to go on or, you know, a Netflix show. Um, it just he just feels like a really well fleshed out um, protagonist and really is what makes the game so great for me. Yeah, I think part of what uh, made me love The Witcher 3 so much is that uh, your role as Geralt, uh, how you're kind of put into that as a player it's almost like brings the best of both worlds of western rpg and, and japanese rpg uh like protagonist uh characterization where you have like this clear background for the character that has his own history his own story his own place in this world uh, but you still get the choices to um with like Geralt's like framework in mind to shape his story and, and make choices that that affect his life and and the the whole world around him. So I think, yeah, Gail's a great pick and, and one I was considering myself. 
maybe this shows my JRPG bias, but I have not played The Witcher 3. I, I do own a copy and I am curious about it. It uh, That might be a good future retro encounter episode. What, one we'd have to plan months in advance. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I mean, especially yeah. since I mean, I'm I'm not exactly playing a shorty right now with Dragon Quest right. Eleven, but um, maybe down the line, maybe even later this year, I'd I'd be interested to try that because it is it's so acclaimed, especially for its writing. And and I mean, I mean, Geralt just like there's memes of just him lying in a bathtub. That's that's worth something, right? It absolutely is. Happens very early <laughs> in the game, so you'll be Indeed. able to, to catch that that quite quite soon. I, I'm not concerned about uh, about bathtub spoilers, but uh, <laughs> but um, I am interested in the Witcher Three. But there is no danger of me picking it. So, uh, but I know that Zach loves loves that game, and and I wasn't aware if you had played it or not, Alex. So uh, maybe Jimmy was wise to jump on it early ish. I think so because uh, Geralt was on my was on my board for protagonist. Yeah, I was considering it. I've been sort of lucky so far. I mean, a couple things in my board have been taken, but the only real uh, uh, one that that feels stolen was is near the first overall pick, which I had no control over at all. But uh, uh, Alex, um, how are you thinking for round three? Have you had um, your plans ruined already? Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, but, you know, I, I still have some some uh, some fun games to pull from here. Um, and for my next pick, I think I'm also going to go protagonist. And, and this was also a uh, category that I was really uh, banging my head on a bit, just being like, what, what, what are my favorite protagonists and why is that the case? Um, one of the, the things I was considering was uh, to get my uh, pick back that was stolen for me tragically in the Final Fantasy draft, which was... Uh, Cecil Harvey from Final Fantasy IV, but I think I'm just going to let Sleeping Dogs lie and uh, just leave that. Um, another pick was actually from a game that currently playing right now. I played Persona 2 Innocent Sin last year and really loved it. And I'd started playing the second part of Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. And I think Maya Mono across those games are it's oh, a really really great awesome choice game. maya's awesome i think i think great we, choice i think when we did the persona draft several years ago she was picked in the first or second round as, as well she should be yeah she's yeah. so good <laughs> but I, I feel like because i haven't finished eternal punishment yet that that's almost like a dishonest pick so i'm i'm thinking i might actually not not pick her I mean, most of her great characterization happens in Innocent Sin. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's game. that's true. That that would be my argument. Um, but just because I feel like a, a little uh, sketchy about that, I think I'm gonna pivot, and uh, I'm gonna pick the character that's been my desktop background for the last two years, and he's uh, he's not even like the full protagonist of his own game, and he's not even like best known as a protagonist. But this is something I feel like. Slosi might take in the the one of the next two picks, uh, and oh. that's Goro Majima from Yakuza Zero. The Interesting, phenomenal choice. <laughs> oh man! Oh, okay, okay, so uh, good. <laughs> I w I will say, um, Majima was on my supporting cast uh, uh, um, board behind Silvando, um, but there I I was not going to pick. Oh uh, well. Or you know what? I, I will I will save my thoughts for later. But that is an excellent pick. Yeah. So I mean, he's just got like 
his introduction cutscene in Yakuza Zero is one of my favorite cutscenes in in any video game period. Uh, when he kind of comes down, he's the manager of the Grand, this big cabaret club, and his uh, his motto is just the customer is king, and he handles this belligerent uh, customer with just like the most like class act grace and sophistication, and um, it, it really like just creates an extremely strong introduction of him as like the the duo protagonist of of the game along with Kiryu. Um I I just love that cutscene. Uh I think about it fairly often. I mean, he he's he's my desktop background for Christ's sake. Uh but he he's also got this very silly side to him on top of like the uh kind of more serious demeanor we see in Yakuza 0, which is kind of his origin story. He's extremely eccentric. His voice acting is amazing. It makes me laugh out loud like a number of times throughout the game. Um, and I also just love playing as him in Yakuza 0. He's got the three styles, the the thug style, which is kind of just this more almost savage version of Kiryu's basic. Oh, like, the mad dog style is so fun, even though I'm bad with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so uh, Zach, you've already finished the Cabaret Club uh, mini game. I, 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 finished, I finished Yakuza 0, and I, def- I, ha- I had to because I needed the mad dog style. <laughs> <laughs> and also the Cabaret Club was addictive. So, <laughs> so such a good mini game. I wish Cabaret Club was like a mobile phone game because I would just play that thing all the time. I'm glad it's not, actually. <laughs> fair. All, yeah. Fair perspective. I get it. I don't need a Dragon Quest Act situation here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, man, you're giving you're giving me flat. You're giving me war flashbacks, man. Uh, I was ranked in the top 300 on the global server of that game, and that and I'm both proud and horrified of that fact. I completely that's, understand. That's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, like his, on top of the thug style, which is kind of his most traditional one, he has the the breaker style, which is just like a break dance brawling style where you just you're just spinning on the ground taking out groups of enemies. I, I love the it. noises he makes while he does yeah. it too. Wahoo! That's more <laughs> so Mario, fun. but you know. <laughs> and then the slugger style where you just like absolute bash enemies' brains in with a baseball bat and and other weapons that you can learn. Uh just really like help communicate his character. I just love the the relationships he has with kind of the major NPCs in this game. I just love playing this character. I love the mini game. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty comfortable with him as my, my protagonist pick. Yakuza zero is so fascinating. Cause I didn't realize this about it until I played every other Yakuza game, but it really is constructed from spare parts. The slugger style is, is one of is uh, based on one of the protagonists of Yakuza 5's fighting style. The character Wen Hai Lee is based on is a a, a, re, a remodel of Saijima from F- Yakuza 4 and 5. While uh, the character Oda is a remodel of Akiyama from Yakuza 4 and 5. It, it's made of like reused models and styles and animations from previous Yakuza games, but with and then and then they rebuilt two of the Yakuza 5 cities and gave, gave them an 80s makeover. But then the flavor of the game is so specific and it, it's so fun to explore. And I think that game is carried by how great Kiryu and Majima are. Mm-hmm. Um, Majima was an unexpected protagonist. Like he basically um, became a fan favorite over the course of Yakuza's one through five, even though they almost decided to just kill him after Yakuza one. Um, and he ended up winning fan polls for most popular character ahead of Kiryu in the Yakuza uh, five Ishin range. So they, uh, they gave him his own game and that's Yakuza zero. And he's one of the best parts of it. And, and I will say um, Majima was on my 
maybe's list as a supporting character if Silvando got taken and Kiryu was on my or zero Kiryu I should say was on my maybe's list for protagonist but um you're not ruining my plans but uh <laughs> this um but this pick is great and um yeah, I, I I totally support it yeah and I just started Kwame too and it's just so fun to see the changes uh he's the best part of Kwame as well yeah no, I'm, no I'm no delighted doubt. every time I run into him <laughs> I'm like ah I was a little less delighted around uh let, let's say Majima Everywhere Battle number 47 I can see that yeah I, I'm but... an hour like four of the game at this point <laughs> yeah, so I can okay. see that <laughs> but uh but but no like I, I think Majima is maybe the most fun part of Kiwami which is not my favorite Yakuza game um but uh that's not Majima's fault at all I think I I think I have the least uh Yakuza experience of all of us and that is saying that I have started Yakuza 0 I'm actually currently about four and a half hours into it i just played it yesterday so awesome i i completely a great time my friend yeah that's my 2024 goal is to see how much yakuza i can get through so no noble goal i started playing the yakuza games in 2020 and only just caught up (laughs) a few months ago (laughs) but i've played all of the major ones released in english now and i could not be more excited for uh yakuza 8 slash like a dragon infinite wealth which brings me to the final pick of round three. Uh, I know you're going to take. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had I had I had five people on my list uh, for protagonist, including including Kiryu. But uh, uh, but my my heart lies with a different Yakuza protagonist. Ichiban Kasuga oh, is such a choice. delight. I was debating it as well. <laughs> when you were talking about Majima and I, I, I was trying to figure out if if I could have Kazuka stolen from me um, and and it and it sounded like you were maybe talking about Yakuza until you said co-protagonist and then like and that was the sigh of relief because it's, it's like it's like all right all right now Ichiban is unquestionably the uh, like the, the shining star of Yakuza like seven slash like a dragon and and his relentless optimism his belief in others, um, his uh, his support for the common man, his he I, I, Ichiban's not very smart or worldly. He, I mean, he was in prison for eighteen years um, near the beginning of the game. Spoilers for the first forty five minutes of Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, so, like when he's get when he's out of prison, he's very naive. He has to be taught how to use a smartphone. Um, but and he s- uses some clumsy language when he's uh, when he encounters some homeless people and sex workers in the early levels of uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. But he always wants to learn, always wants to improve himself. The metaphor of the uh, Chinese folktale of a carp swimming up a waterfall to, tr- to turn into a dragon is represented in his struggle and also the tattoo on his back. And he's voiced by the same voice actor that voices Nishikiyama in Yakuza uh one and zero and yaku and nishikiyama had a carp on his back which was a metaphor countering the dragon it's the on- same voice actor as nishiki yeah he's nishiki's oh voice actor basically <laughs> basically they, they liked working with nishiki's voice actor so much they gave him the role of kasuga so not kasuga is an inheritor of nishiki and kiryu he i i i yakuza like a dragon is one of my favorite games of the last few years my my the number two spot on my protagonist board was a different 2020 character. <laughs> I uh, I was considering Zagreus from Hades. Um, oh, great choice. That would be good, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I but my I mean come on my my heart's with Ichiban. I I he's one of my favorite new characters in all of video games. And my first three picks were 
very Dragon Quest flavored being Chrono Trigger, Dragon Quest Eleven, and Yakuza Like a Dragon, but no regrets. That's how it's going. One of the greatest tragedies in RPG fan history was best protagonist in 2020. I think. Let's not wrong about this. Did no, Ichiban Ichi- win. Ichiban won oh! our our vote, but the um, but the fan the fans vote, gave it the, to Cloud. The fans gave it to Cloud. Yeah, yeah. Ichiban mm-hmm. absolutely deserved it over Cloud. So, I I yeah. wrote the I wrote the blurb that year. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I should know that, but I forgot. Um, yeah, but Ichiban, like, it, it, he's the reason that I think, I, even though I've played through a number of like a dragon or related games i've played through judgment i've played through zero lost judgment and i'm in kiwami now i think seven is still my favorite and it's just because of ichiban honestly like the 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 combat's great in seven i certainly prefer that to the just brawler style which is you know in hard boss fights is like wait for them to attack walk behind them and hit them yeah, if, if if you're, I mean, even if you're decent at that combat, the, the brawler fighting in older Yakuza games is fine until you hit that one boss. Right, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, trust me, you're not going to uh, love the prison guard in Yakuza 4 if you ever get there. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, I, I hate completely that asshole. forgot about that. I, I that hate so him long so ago. much. <laughs> oh. He's not anyway. even the hardest fight in the game, I just hate that dude, dude so much. Yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, Ichiban is uh, is the pick. It's an excellent pick. Well done. Love the Yakuza representation. Yeah, we, we got a couple of Yakuza picks in a row. And Jimmy, I'm, I'm I'm just saying, like your goal of playing as much Yakuza as possible in 2024 is great goal. Love it already. Your and some of the other staff's passion for the series really that's drawn me to it because I back back in the day I was um, very misinformed on the whole series like I always just thought it was like a Japanese version of GTA at first and that's not really my thing and then you know the more I learned about it I'm like okay maybe this is my thing and I'm enjoying zero so far so we'll see I I really think Yakuza is like the proteges of the guy that invented Shenmu then watched like a thousand hours of anime and then made a game yeah it's, it, it, it's yeah. zero gets better and better as it goes too like it it, it, it crescendos at the end. It's you're, you're in for a ride. It's a great game. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games. I uh, I brought some, um, well, uh, an episode of Rhythm Encounter that we're recording pretty soon. I'm bringing some Yakuza Zero music to that. But uh, as much as this, as much fun as this Yakuza diversion has been, we really should be moving on. All right. So I have a decision to make. I, I, I'm into the part of my draft where I'm much, much less worried about what is going to be drafted. So... I think I'm going to go with music now and try to figure out which of these very popular games in this category is most in da- is uh, do I really like the music the best of. And yeah, you know, I, I think I would be um, I would not be true to myself if I didn't reach out to the truth and pick this game for one category or another. So I'm drafting Persona 4 for music. That's a great pick. I love Persona 4. It's my favorite Persona game. Uh, maybe my favorite PS2 game. Not sure about that. I, I thought about even drafting Near Gestalt for this uh, episode just so I would have good versions of Dark Colossus and Shadow Lord. <laughs> Although I think I like the Automata of Dark Colossus better. But I, I mean, Persona 4 is so good at like having music that's energetic but and uh, and conveying different moods. Um, I, I, I listen to things like Heartbreak and uh, and um, and the, the snow theme from Golden. And maybe I should say Persona 4 Golden instead of Persona 4. But whatever, it's uh, 
per the rules of the draft, both of them are, are, the, are one and the same. Um, and I like it's a soundtrack I've listened to so much, including remix albums and club mixes and everything. I played the Persona 4 dance uh, dancing all night um, to a platinum trophy <laughs> many years ago. But uh, yeah, this for, I, I don't have a good explanation other than this feels like the right place to draft Persona 4. I think it's a great pick. Um, I, I think the OSTs of Persona 3, 4, and 5 are all great choices for for audio for music. Um, along with Undertale and Nier Automata, I had Persona 5 soundtrack here. It's probably it's the one I lean most towards because I love like like each of the the Persona 3, 4, and 5 soundtracks have their own kind of genre flavor. I feel like fours is is more poppy, but I really love the the jazz and funk infused style of fives. Um, it's definitely the sound like I don't listen to OSTs much uh, outside of games, even though I love, love video games and music. It's just something I never really got into. But the Persona soundtracks are are definitely the ones I've, I've played most outside of playing a game. Yeah, I, I do have Persona 3 and 5 under maybe lists um, in other categories, but uh, my heart's with Persona 4. And I feel like I feel like music is, is one of its stronger aspects. I, I, I could have gone with you know, different characters or other aspects of it for other categories. But no, this, this, this is what feels right. I mean, I think that it's it's music sort of def- it, it, it be- I think it is what defines the game to me. Like, I know the game has so many strengths, but like when I think of Persona 4, I think of its music. So I think it's a great pick. Yeah, I think three, four and five. I'm, I'm in agreement that they're all really good soundtracks coming. That's coming from somebody else that doesn't listen to a lot of video game soundtracks. So, yeah, good pick. I listen to a medium amount of video game music overall, uh, maybe more than an average person, but medium for, a, you know, an RPG fan person, because uh, we have some RPG music fanatics on the website. But there was a time where I just listened to an insane amount of Persona 3 and 4 music. Uh, and this is this is representing that time in my life <laughs> in the early 2010s. But uh, Alex, you do not have to live in the early 2010s or any particular time for your next <laughs> for your next pick. Um, you've drafted a protagonist, your soundtrack, and systemic gameplay, but you have five other categories and a whole bunch of video games to choose from. Yeah, I think for next one, I, I'm going to finally pull out my my story pick, and um, I really wasn't sure if this was, like, I know this game's huge, really widely beloved. Uh, I just wasn't sure what, uh, like, in terms of, like, the temperature of the room, how how hot of a pick it is but uh for me it's it's a pretty pretty easy one with best story even considering i had so many other great options to choose from um and that's mother three um i really really such a good pick (laughs) i really love this game's story uh it's what sets it above earthbound uh personally for me uh quite easily um the whole story kind of being like, like it reminds me of a stage play the way it's structured like the fact that you uh with each of the the first few chapters uh you start in Tasmili village which is kind of like the main locale of the game where a lot of the the different npcs that you meet and grow to like and they develop throughout the game live um but ultimately like as mother three continues uh you start to see what a interesting and smart critique of the the corrupting nature of capitalism that it really is um and that's the kind of turning point there is marked uh with like chapter three which is the the chapter where you play as the monkey salsa who's being uh kind of paraded around by this uh 
I guess like entrepreneur uh, called Facade and is like being made to like dance for him and is being like tortured by him and uh, there's like an ultimatum to to serve Facade um, to to save Salsa the monkey's girlfriend and uh, you have to like do all this stuff for him and you're kind of being paraded around Tasmili Village um, as Facade is trying to essentially spread the word of capitalism and how trying to sell the villagers on uh, commodities and things like that. And as the story develops, like this peaceful pastoral village that's built on very tight community bonds basically turns into a more urbanized suburban hub uh, fueled by materialism. You see the way it affects all these NPCs you've grown to know throughout the game, particularly if you take the time to just talk to them frequently in the early chapters, like they all have very well depicted lives of their own um and it's just very poignantly done without too much like it, yeah. it's not like cynical either like the, the game no. is like extremely no, humanistic just, and compassionate it's very earnest but it manages to tackle these themes like so intelligently and and it all kind of culminates in uh the last chapter where oh. you end up in new pork city which is just this uh absolute gong show of just like noise and spectacle and consumerism um, it's like las vegas yeah 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 basically <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah i love the way this game explores like themes like human greed and, and like it's kind of cyclical nature i won't get too much into spoilers if people still haven't played mother three but uh the way it represents like bonds between family and th there's one particular scene i just want to highlight that i know like people have talked about before but it's in chapter one uh where you're playing as flint the the father of the game of the main protagonist lucas while lucas is still a child and flint uh discovers that uh his wife and his other son uh are probably dead uh, and there's this scene around the campfire where he's that news is broken to him and just like the little subtleties in the pixel art that are yeah. shown in that scene. Like it's just, it's seared into my brain. It's, it's makes such a beautiful use of kind of 16 bit visual language to tell, like to communicate like character feeling and things like that. And I, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. And, and there's more moments like that all throughout this game. I, I absolutely love its story. Um, and, and I'm happy I got it. Yeah. Mother three was second on my storyboard. Um, and it wasn't even close. I was like, I had Nier Automata and Mother 3. And then I was like, well, what else am I going to pick? Because yeah. nothing matches up to these two. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like you, you covered almost everything I would say about it. Like, I will say that the final moments of the game um, are, are so powerful. Oh, my God. Uh, and the ways in which they, they and I know we're not talking about gameplay, but it is such a part of the storytelling here um, that it's, um, it, we, we, we podcasted about it a few years ago. It was one of my favorite podcast experiences on the site. And I absolutely adore this game it's like a top 10 game for me mm -hmm. uh and it's um uh, it's so special and you you did a great job of talking about it mother three and earthbound are unlike to any other two games and mother three it, it really i mean like the first impression really is that this game is sort of drawn in crayon and fits the game boy advance very well but it's so poignant and powerful uh from start to finish and, and I, I was shocked at the emotions it made me feel um, mm. over the course of the games, but especially with events towards the end. Uh, and and um, uh, you even get weird satisfaction for seeing the just desserts of the uh, of the main villain with one of the more unique 
I, I would I would say um, ends to a, an art to an RPG villain that uh, we've ever encountered. <laughs> a, a, another character that got their own villains episode was um, the, uh, the 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 principal villain of Mother Three. Uh, yeah, great pick, Jimmy. If you haven't played Mother Three, I mean, I, I I hope this is a ringing endorsement. I have actually. Oh, um, oh, my it bad. Was, yeah, it was on my list. Um, I went with Final Fantasy VII for story, but yeah can't complain it's a good pick for sure all right well uh jimmy it's your pick next um uh you so far you've gone with protagonist antagonist and story so you have plenty left to do still okay so now i'm looking at what games are might still be in danger of being taken um by some other people just based on tastes and um i think a lot of them are pretty safe, but I know Alex at least feels pretty passionately about the next game that I'm going to take here. And it's funny, Zach, that you just mentioned Las Vegas because I'm going to take <laughs> Fallout. I'm going to take Fallout New Vegas, and I'm going to take it for music. Interesting. Um, oh, that's yeah. the one that has all of the like old time remixes of modern songs. Exactly. Right. You don't, you don't just get the uh, the Enon Zor soundtrack, but you also get the licensed songs. Um, most notably is Ain't That a Kick in the Head by Dean Martin, which is the song that plays um, basically when you first lay eyes on New Vegas um, with that song blasting on New Vegas radio. It's just right. so memorable. You know, I, I think I might be complaining, conflating that with my memory of the Bioshock Infinite soundtrack, which which does something similar. But but no, 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 that, that does, that's not diminishing how excellent this light, this mix of uh, original and licensed music that Fallout New Vegas is. Yeah, just some one of the most I still now th- these are songs that I do listen to. Um, um, there's a whole fa- music from all the Fallout playlists that I have, um, but most of my favorites are from this. You've got "Ain't That a Kick in the Head," um, and you know some of the songs like Marty Robbins' um, "Big Iron" is on here, and that's a song that my grandpa um, really loved um, before he passed. So. You know, a lot of songs on here just have special meaning to me, and um, I just really, really like this soundtrack a lot. So I'm going to take it here because I know Alex is also a big Fallout New Vegas fan. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love Fallout New Vegas. I, I Actually, music isn't one that uh, would naturally occur to me. I'd probably pick it more for, for story or maybe even game systems, if anything, but... Uh, I think like uh, that, that's a really clever pick um, and uh, this game definitely deserves to be on one of our lists. So I'm glad to see it. Nice. All right. So um, th- that means that Jimmy, Alex and I have all picked our music category. Zach, you haven't. Uh, all four of us have picked story already. So we valued that quite highly. Um, uh, Alex, you are, I'm sorry, Zach, you're also uh, yet to pick a protagonist. Uh, th- there's a lot of stuff ahead of us. Um, Sorry. And, and again, this is just the pool that we're drawing from is massive. We're basically just talking about 32 of our favorite RPGs in this episode. So, uh, yeah, give us the next one. So uh, the next pick is not one that I am super invested in, but it is the one that I am the most worried about. Uh, and I'm going to take Persona 5 for best visuals. Mm. Okay. Persona 5 is probably my number two on visuals. <laughs> it was... Yeah. It was mystery game number one, then Persona Five, then Octopath Traveler two. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, you know, I, I considered Octopath for visuals, but I knew I wanted it for gameplay. So yeah, I mean, like Persona Five is a really great game in so many ways. Like I think the combat stuff is really fun. Exploring the dungeons is great. It's way better than previous Persona games. 
Uh, and I think it, while I have some issues with the story, I at least appreciate some of the things that it's doing. But uh, the visuals of any Persona game, uh, at least three and on, I think are so defining. And like there is just so much style to Persona 5. And I'm talking about visuals. I mean, things like the menus. That um, UI. Yeah. It, it, it's the victory just, screen transition. Right. It, it's fantastic. Like it is it is a masterclass in art design um, like where like there are plenty of games that we could talk about that are like more impressive graphically. Sure. Whereas persona five is so impressive from a design perspective and it is such a joy to play at least 45% because of the way that it looks and the way that it uses things like cameras or whatever. Like it, it, it's just so it's so polished in the way that it's put together. And I think that it, it's a huge part of why the game works there. Are, like I said, there are other things about it that I like, uh, but the visuals I think are really what, what sell me on persona five as a special game. Um, and uh, it, even though it wasn't one that I was like super invested in, it was one that I knew I needed to take now because persona five is popular, right? So there you go. Again, I did have it under consideration for visuals, uh, but it's not at the top of my board. Um, I, in fact, I'm starting to get worried. Maybe I should because the, this was the first visuals to go and I'm worried about the game I do have at the top of my board. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like a lot of what Persona 5 brings to the table. I, uh, I I don't like it as much as Persona 3 or 4, I think. But visually, it is so stunning and so unique that I, I'm surprised we ha- we don't have more outright Persona cop- Persona 5 copycats in 2024. Yeah, visuals was another one that that didn't uh, that didn't occur to me immediately for Persona Five. Is e- easily going to be audio, if anything, because I absolutely love that game soundtrack. But you're so right that uh, the whole presentation of the game with the UI, the way it just pops off the screen, the kind of thematic presentation of that like blood red of the the Phantom Thieves, um, it really works with the the audio to to contribute more to the game's uh, themes and its overall vibe. And um, yeah, it's a good choice and a, and a great game yeah i could see persona 5 being on here for a number of categories and i'm kind of surprised that <laughs> i was overlooked this long to be honest yeah that's I, I i i was worried about it that's why i took it so <laughs> there are too many good video games is the is the issue at hand here and uh and um i guess that's the uh the last pick of round four so it's zach it's your turn again for the uh first pick of round five so I'm going to take another game that I'm somewhat worried about and that is very new um, for protagonist. Uh, and I'm going to take Clive from Final Fantasy 16 for protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I, I could have seen it for a lot of things, music, visuals, you know, like the, the same things we're talking about. But like, you know, I, I usually like protagonists that are like broken in a way that is obvious and the whole game is like fixing their brokenness but there is something really refreshing about uh clive being uh sort of and this is a thing i'm aping off of you solosi like sort of being like the the perfect protagonist in so many ways like he's like a pre-built protagonist and i think that a lot of people have a q16 of feeling pre-built to like everybody's tastes but in clive's case i think it absolutely works uh ben star's performance is phenomenal i think everybody can agree on that regardless of your feelings about the game yep um i i think that he is a person who i can absolutely see would be a reasonable leader or be like a leader who people would follow uh, a person who reacts in ways that i think are reasonable in almost every situation but he's just like so 
he's just so likable <laughs> and it is not normally a thing that I say about protagonists is something I like my number one pick in protagonist category was Harry Dubois. But uh, I, I just think that he is such a, like he carries so much weight in that game. And obviously I like the game a lot and he carries it all the way home. And so I think he's an excellent protagonist. Um, no arguments here. I, I think what I said in the FF 16 episode is that it felt like he was created in a lab to appeal to as many people as possible. And like like Final Fantasy 16 is a triple A ass RPG. It's hugely expensive. Like a lot of care was uh, brought to the uh, visuals and the fidelity and the performances. But um, Clive carries it. Like if Clive was too annoying or unlikable or unpleasant or not a success, then the entire game collapses because you are with Clive for 99% of the runtime of FF 16. And so it's it's a uh, there's a, so there's a lot of burden on that uh, beautifully sculpted shoulders of his, <laughs> but uh, it, but it works. Clive, Clive is awesome. I think I drafted him in my, with my first pick in the FF draft uh, several months ago. Um, uh, Sixteen was not on my board only because I was you know fixating category by category, but it, it absolutely belongs in this draft. Like 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 Clive is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I've aired my grievances with FF16 in front of y'all, um, but uh, Clive is definitely not one of them. Clive, Clive is a great protagonist. Um, I, I wrote the the Game of the Year uh, award to Clive for for best character uh, with joy, even though there are plenty of uh, aspects of that game uh, I want to critique. Uh, I got a little tongue in cheek with uh, the obvious comparisons to Jon Snow, but ultimately I think it's just uh, an achievement that even though like I could see all these comparisons, Clive is very much his own person. He doesn't feel like a carbon copycat of, of anybody. Uh, and part of that is just that performance from Ben Starr, how sincere and how emotional uh, it can be. And um, yeah, it's it's a great pick. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you just make a Final Fantasy 16 comparison to Game of Thrones? Because that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, no, <laughs> nobody. It's, it's really original thinking. I know. <laughs> I think I framed my whole story section when I was writing the review around Game of Thrones because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, jokes aside, though, um, as somebody that um, tends to be a little um, kind of like stuck in my ways when it comes to the Final Fantasy um, main series and enjoy the older turn-based ones uh, more than the new modern ones, um, I thoroughly enjoyed 16. And uh, for now, we'll stop complaining that they're not turn-based anymore so for now yeah we'll see what happens when 17 comes around hey look at least you're not you're not obnoxious about it which most people are so i appreciate that about you jimmy and and if (laughs) if you love uh turn-based final fantasy might i direct you to octopath traveler 2 which has some pretty fabulous action gameplay according to true story (laughs) but uh jimmy um you can draft some more old school final fantasy if you want you already have a couple on your board but uh you have four categories to go in uh and you we are in the middle of round number five yep um now i think most of my picks are relatively safe um the only one that i'm unsure of is probably why i'm going to go this route with this next pick um because I really feel like the rest of my picks are probably safe. Um, but I'm going to take Mass Effect 2, um, and I'm going to take Morden Solus as my supporting character. Oh, amazing. I'm surprised it took so long for Mass Effect 2 to come up as supporting character. 
I, I uh, Morden was uh, on my list. Well, I, well, I should say no. Mass Effect was on my list of supporting characters, but I had Morden, Garrus, and Rex listed. <laughs> like, if I was forced to pick a Mass Effect character on the fly, I would have, I would have waffled a little bit because the cast is so excellent. But Morden is absolutely one of the highlights of Mass Effect too. Absolutely. Yeah, I also had Garrus too. I went back and forth uh, between. Um, but yeah, the game is just in a game that's just full of good supporting characters that feel, um, you know, really that have depth to them. Um, Morden really stands out the most. He's both intentionally and unintentionally hilarious at times. Um, and you know, without getting into too much, um, if you follow through the complete story arc um, into Mass Effect Three, that really just solidifies him for me. Um, just yeah, it's just great stuff. Um, I really, you know, a, a character that participated in something that he clearly, um, that he defends at first, but then later comes to uh, admit that he was wrong in, um, really gives uh, the character depth. He's not just, you know, the typical um, analytical thinking scientist, you know. Um, just just love Morton. He's definitely my favorite character throughout the, the Mass Effect trilogy. And, and, and Morden's con- certainty in his convictions, like, like, no, I'm the only one that can do it because someone else might get it wrong. No, this is how it is. This is the best way to do it. He's like, he's like, again, a very matter of fact scientist who also is completely without scruples, but generally a good person for him, for you to, to see his entire arc of conviction, then doubt, then regret, then redemption, or, or, or maybe he's changing that redemption to something else depending on the choices you make is awesome like like a lot of the uh character arcs in mass effect one through three are really good but morden's one of the best ones um have you seen uh, he has maybe two comedy moments that i think even make him even better first when he sings the gilbert and sullivan styles scientist solarian song in mass oh effect yeah 2. i love that I and love and, that. and third in the mass effect 3 citadel dlc he doesn't attend the party but he leaves you a voicemail that is one of the most hilarious oh, yeah. jokes in, in Mass Effect Three. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not. Are you familiar with that one, Jimmy? Yeah, I am. Uh, I, yeah. I hadn't thought about it until you uh, just brought it up again. But yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, those two character notes that are really unrelated to Morden's arc just make him that much better. He's uh, again, I, I, I had sort of a general Mass Effect question mark under supporting character on my board, but Morden was one thousand percent under under consideration. He's awesome. Zach, you should play Mass Effect. I know. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, as you guys mentioned, like any of uh, Mass Effect 2's supporting cast could have been great fodder for this this category. Oh, maybe not Jacob. Let's be real. Okay, okay. Yeah, maybe not all of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Morden's a great pick. It's it's so impressive that like he he fits into that archetype of like ultra logical scientist, but also breaks out of it uh, in ways and. And is also kind of like your main defining Solarian of the series, and does does such a good job, like portraying them as 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 more nuanced people than they could have been. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it would have been tough to to choose between Garrison and, and Morden for me if I if I went that route for supporting character. Alex, you still have uh, a lot of routes to supporting character available to you because you've um. You have four categories left, including antagonist and supporting character. Uh, what are you going to do for round five? 
I'm thinking I'm going to go uh, visuals for round five. And uh, the approach I took with visuals was uh, I asked myself, what game would I most want to hang like a bunch of screenshots of on my wall? Like if I just had like a bunch of screenshots of like I'm, a certain game I'm and decorated, I'm worried, decorated I'm worried, my Alex. house in it. I'm, I'm worried. What's it going to be? <laughs> well, there's a couple things I considered. Uh, Dragon Quest XI was one of them because it's got that amazing Toriyama style, but that's off the table. Um, Elden Ring was another one because, I mean, like just the art direction in every single part of that world and all the levels, the amount of detail. It's absurd. There is, 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 is absurd. And, and it's, 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 it's absurd and, and great. Maybe you should pick that one. <laughs> um, but I'm we actually, know that's not what Celosi wants. <laughs> but I'm actually going to go with something different. Um, and I, I think you're safe, Celosi. Um, uh-huh. I'm a big fan of PS1 visuals when they're done uh like very well like the, the oh pre, no the pre-rendered background i think you're about to take one of my picks <laughs> uh the, the polygonal uh character models i i uh, and the, the 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 ps1 game that i think has the best oh. kind of style for all that is chrono cross damn it <laughs> damn it interesting okay so, i had it for another okay. obvious category <laughs> and honestly right. this this whole thing has been uh the whole the whole process of creating my draft board i think i realized more than ever how much i love chrono cross uh because i considered it for audio i considered it for story i considered it for villain um all of those categories it absolutely excels in in my opinion uh even even like systems like it's got a fascinating uh battle system um, but ultimately I, I have to hand it to the visuals. Um, I just love the whole tropical oh. aesthetic of this world. And, uh, when you get to kind of some of the more serious, uh, parts of the story, it goes to, to pretty weird, amazing visual places as well. Um, but yeah, it, it does like the, the Spira tropical vibe, uh, that I love so much about <laughs> Final Fantasy X, but, uh, in that, that PS1, uh, aesthetic that just like, you can't really find outside PS1 games. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this pick and I'm, I'm honestly a little bit surprised that, uh, uh other people were considering it as well. I was considering it for music. <laughs> yeah, I I was considering it for music, but um, but when uh when I got Chrono Trigger for story with my number one overall pick, I decided to go Persona Four for music because it, mm. it didn't feel totally right having Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. Um, that's that's definitely fair. I, I think if I ended up picking Magus for my villain, I, I might have avoided Chrono Cross as well with that same logic. Um, it, this was not the game I was worried you would take, but I I 100% understand having Chrono Cross as a pick for visuals because it is a stunningly beautiful game, especially if you sp- like in particular appreciate the PS1 polygonal look. Yeah, I might I might I might still go back and uh, hang hang a bunch of screenshots of Chrono Cross up on my wall. That's sounding like more more of a good idea. <laughs> it's in all in all sincerity, like it's it was on my list for visuals. Uh, it's it's a beautiful game. Like it's, I think it is the peak of PS One visuals. I, I I have a lot of issues with Chrono Cross. Like I think the visuals and the music are stunning. The story is too opaque to have the impact that it wants to have. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a, a phenomenal pick. Like, like, there's no environment in that game that is not beautiful to look at. It's a great pick. 
I also had Chrono Cross for um, music. So, um, yeah, (laughs) it was my runner up, actually. It Uh, was number one on my board for music. I just didn't think anybody would take it for something else. (laughs) I guess we all kind of had the same mentality. Yeah, Yeah, we had similar ideas. Looks like Alex might have broken multiple hearts with that round, um, but not with Kingdom Hearts. Uh, It's my turn now. I have the last pick of round five and the first pick of round six. So around the 60% mark. And I was, you know, having some mild panic when uh, Alex was talking about a game with visuals that he would proudly hang on his wall or language similar to that. And, uh, I, and, and I should mention that I, I was really considering two games for this. Um, and when and I was a little I was a little relieved when you said PS1 because the game that was second on my list was PS1. And that's Legend of Mana, uh, one mm, of the uh, a, a really, a really beautiful painting of a PS1 game, um, which also has great music. It was maybe a worthy choice for music as well. But I'm not going with Legend of Mana here. I am going with what I think is one of the most beautiful uh games ever ever seen and i'm uh i'm still amazed that a game from 2004 i think still looks this good and uh it did have a sequel but mostly capcom is content on just remaking this thing over and over than giving us a true okami 2 uh so yeah okami is my pick for graphics ah nice and uh, it is perhaps surprisingly, it is covered by RPG fan. It's shown up multiple times on uh, on uh, Rhythm and Retro Encounter. And we did not have a review of the PS2 original, but we did have a review of one of the multiple HD versions that popped up over the years. It, it's really a game that's sort of about it's an action game that's, you know, probably most co- uh, frequently compared to Zelda because you're finding abilities and items that help you navigate the world and you can use them offensively or or in a utilitarian manner but by like using the cursor of the brush you uh you 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 paint the actions and then take and then uh in order to do them and um and it's done in a gorgeous art style that is um japanese uh, classical art brush strokes i think sumie is probably the uh the the style it's that it's most similar to but like like things like there's one notorious scene where you um you're on a whitewater raft about to fill o- f- go over a waterfall, but you have to draw vines to tie your raft to the shore in time before you fall off. Um, and, and but everything moves so beautifully. Uh, the uh, like the the white, black, and red stylings of um, Amaterasu, the main character, is our uh, who, who's a who's a wolf with a lot of sort of dog-like mannerisms. It's so beautifully animated and beautiful to behold. It's a game that, even though it's a pretty dense 40-hour action game with a lot of RPG elements, um, it's a game that you think about its visuals first and foremost when you are uh, when you're talking about it or remembering it or what have you. And uh, yeah, I love Okami. I've only played it twice: once in the PS2 and then once many years later, I think on PS3. Question mark? Not sure. It was a while ago. I don't, and it's Okami's been on every system, so I don't even remember exactly when, I when I uh, when or how I played it. But yeah, it, I, I think it is a startlingly beautiful game, and uh, the, the and I think I'm feeling some more relief now because I, I think that my other final couple picks are low risk. But Alex, when you were describing uh, your choice for visuals, I really was worried that Okami <laughs> would be taken from me. 
Um, yeah, with the, with the context of being like, oh, it's like hanging up like paintings of it yes, uh, on my yeah. wall. Like that's like, that's Akami a, is literally a playable painting. So I, yeah. guess I could see that uh, worry creeping in. Th- that is exactly what I was feeling. But um, um, I, I, I don't think Okami is like perfect. I think it's like, it's like a 40 hour game that probably could have been 30. The, the best part of it is sort of the act two, um, um, where the, where the nine tailed Fox is the, uh, is the antagonist of that arc. Yeah, uh, sure. it, it goes on a little, I, I think like, like it goes on a little too long, but when you're in the middle of it and exploring new areas and getting new powers and seeing how the, how your paint and your brush interacts with the world is truly excellent. And I'm not sure I, I'm, it's a game I'm that keen on replaying because it was uh, like I had just a whirlwind romance uh, with it for a month and now it's over. But uh, yeah, Okami's great and it's beautiful and it's my pick for visuals. I mean, it's a phenomenal pick. Like I've I've played maybe 10 hours of Okami and the only reason I played all those 10 hours was because of how great it looks. Uh, I didn't think it was super fun to play or anything like that. Like I just thought that I was like, oh my goodness, this game is so beautiful. Um, and yeah, it, it, I, I think that there are a lot of, a lot, lot of picks that would have been great in this category, like anything for Vanillaware. But like, I think Okami honestly is the pick. It didn't even occur to me. It's an amazing pick. My my board for this was Okami, Persona Five, Octopath Two, Legend of Mana. But there's there's so many good looking games that I mean, you you could talk me into so many different things for visuals. Yeah, it's a, it's a game I played originally on the Wii, and I did play through the whole thing, and and I liked it as a kid quite a bit. Uh, and the Wii version is actually really good. Like it, the motion controls worked really well for the the painting mechanic. Um, but then I tried to replay it, the HD version on PS3 as well, and I I didn't get that far because a lot of the game's flaws, um, especially like its pacing issues, um, started to become a bit more apparent. But what is definitely not an issue is anything about that art style. It's 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 amazing. So uh, yeah, it didn't occur to me either. But great pick. Yes, top-notch pick. It's something that I wish I'd have thought of it, actually. That's a really good one. I, I like that a lot. Well, I mean, that was maybe a slightly unexpected pick coming from me. But now here's one that's very expected. Uh, I actually had this game under consideration for story. I think maybe, yeah, it was number two overall on my storyboard. And I really did not think it would go all the way to the sixth round without getting chosen. You must be talking about Kingdom Hearts, correct? Uh, no. <laughs> Particularly three. I, uh, I am, I am sort of amazed that this game has not been picked in any category. So I think I am going to, uh, have the board's second ever pick for systems gameplay and choose Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. I mean, like, Delita was on my board. It was on my board for systems. It, it, excellent choice. I mean, like, it's like, it's the pick, right? It's great, great pick. I, I really had a couple of things I was thinking of for systems, uh, uh, for systems gameplay. I love job systems. So uh, I originally was going to pick between like Bravely Default and Diablo 3 uh, of all things. But um, but but like seeing that FF Tactics was still on the board, even though I had it uh, pegged for story, um, I'm like, really, am I going to pick Bravely Default or Diablo 3 instead of FF Tactics for for job system? Like, I, I don't think I can uh, because it's. Like it's very similar to Final Fantasy V in that you know you level up jobs individually and then you can and then you can mix the different skills together. But FF Tactics does it so beautifully, and the the insane combos you can have with things like uh oh I don't know like mages with uh with the samurai draw out 
or all the shenanigans you can get into with calculators or like elemental healing items with it and then and then like full elemental nukes it is one of the most satisfying class systems um ever in a video game you know you know i i I could have even had final fantasy 14 here instead because like there's a lot of really good job systems in final fantasy games but I, I think tactics is the one that I have the most fond memories of, whether it's, you know, just giving Rams a samurai skills or giving a uh, like two hand to a monk to double punch things. It's just and and uh, and and also the way that uh, you can organize the way different ways you organize your army and recruit characters and build your characters. There's so much I love about FF tactics that I'm kind of surprised it lasted to the sixth round, especially since I think that everyone here is a at least a fan of Squaresoft games of this era. So uh, yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics is the pick. I mean, like like I said, it was on my board in a lot of places. Um, and I think that honestly, like in my brain, I was like, oh, Solosi will pick this early. <laughs> um, like I, I thought for sure you were going to take Tactics before it, now. It was uh, no, it was number two under story for me. Right, yeah. And and it absolutely is deserving of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, the great thing about the systems of Tactics is that it it gives you so many different choices and ways to approach it. Like you can totally bust the game easily in lots of ways. Like you can build characters certain ways. You can use Orlando and solo the whole game with him. <laughs> uh, or you, so, you can... so the last, the last 20% of the game. With sure. Him. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you can just play it straight up, which is the way I did it. Like the first time I played it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, there's such a depth to it that like the breakability of it is part of what makes the system so great. And yeah, it, it's a it's a phenomenal choice for many categories, and I think mostly for this one. So great job, Delito was second on my board for an antagonist. So yeah, even if I'm not even sure if he qualifies, but yeah, I, I should mention that Final Fantasy Tactics succeeds in the gameplay ways because well, in in, in gameplay theaters because its systems interact with the action so beautifully, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's a little hard to separate them. But I think even if I'm isolating, uh, like active gameplay from systemic gameplay the job system of ff tactics is so satisfying to, to mess around with and tinker with that I'm, I'm i'm confident in this choice but yeah with apologies to bravely default which i really didn't think anyone was going to pick for any category uh and had and you know had that earmarked for my systems pick until i realized ff tactics was still on the board no that's a great choice for gameplay systems i mean ff tactics is essentially uh what if Final Fantasy V, which is one of the has one of the best like turn-based RPG systems, uh, but chess? So that that's a great combination and allows for tons of strategic uh, build variety and gameplay that comes out of that. So uh, that's an awesome pick. Um, the only reason I hadn't picked Delita already for villain uh, is only because I had him as villain in the final fantasy draft and i just didn't want to repeat otherwise that would have gone real quick because i know there are multiple ff tactics fans here i think i've drafted Silvando as a supporting character twice in the past so yeah the, I, I i have no problem repeating previous picks so final fantasy tactics and i have a complicated relationship you might say um but it's me it's it's a me problem i'm willing to admit not a final fantasy tactics problem um I just wasn't very good at RPGs back then when I played it, and the game uh, basically sent me away crying in a corner, and I didn't touch it again for years after that, and consequently didn't touch a tactics RPG for years after that. Um, 
But now I've come around. I'm a lot older. I've played uh, quite a few, and I have made the solemn vow to myself that I will play and finish Final Fantasy Tactics again um, someday. So you're in for a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Square Enix has to be thinking about remaking this thing, right? Like they just did. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, they just did Live Alive and Tactics Ogre, and we and uh, and Star Ocean. Maybe 2. most importantly, Tactics Ogre. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so like like they're I think they're really putting effort into good remakes and like for me FF Tactics seems like almost an obvious one, especially since I think they have a a pretty good relationship with Matsuno since he's been involved in FF14 uh mm-hmm. fairly recently. Yeah. So I uh yeah, Jimmy, maybe you don't have to wait that long for a remake to be announced, but that's that's entirely speculation on my part. But I, I think it was part of the Nvidia leak too, so Oh, yeah. was it? Oh, maybe yeah. it was. It. I, you know, I uh, I think I did read that leak, but I was I, yeah. but I completely forgot. Um, it was it was that and the then the Insomniac leak and whatever. Mm. It's, the, this, the game, this is a, more of a fun leak than the Insomniac leak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a le- it's a leaky industry that we care so much about. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, Alex, it's time for you to leak uh, your sixth pick to us. You still have antagonist, side character, and gameplay co- uh, parentheses action left. Yeah, and I'm slightly regretting not just picking Delita, but we'll figure out villain uh, later, probably as the last pick. Um, uh, I think next I'm going to go with a pick that I really wasn't worried about anybody picking, except maybe uh, Jimmy, because uh, I know he he also shares an appreciation of Western RPGs. I also like Western RPGs, but it's mostly the same six or seven Bioware ones. <laughs> So I'm not. I, I know it's it's uh, not really my brand, but uh, let's see where you're going with. Yeah, and this this is Bioware adjacent. Um, so it, it's it's an Obsidian game, and it's probably what I consider um, just in terms of like general discourse I see online. I, I think it's the most probably underrated RPG I've played, um, and that's Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic two. Uh, and I'm gonna go with supporting character Kreia. Um, so I don't know how much y'all know about Kreia. Um, Most of my KOTOR knowledge ends with the first game and then continues with HK47 being good in KOTOR 2. <laughs> and, he, and he's another solid choice for supporting character. Um, but Kreia absolutely defines uh, KOTOR 2 as, as a fascinating just narrative experience of a game. Um, she's one of those characters... Uh, like many of the best uh, Western RPG companions uh, slash party members uh, that kind of works as like a representation of the game's themes that also functions as like a mirror for the player to uh, role play off of like a a character that like really represents like the values, like certain values that the game is going for. Um, And then you get to interact with them extensively. I'm thinking of characters like Mort from Planescape Torment, that talking skull, uh characters like kim kitsuragi from disco elysium or uh johnny silverhand from cyberpunk 2077 um and i think kreia is maybe a more interesting character than any of those which uh yeah i i honestly really believe that so kreia was um once a controversial jedi master who trained one of the villains from the first game uh darth revan uh if you know you know um and then uh, she was. Chast- I mean, everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, then she was chastised um, for kind of leading uh, Revan onto a kind of darker path for kind of just being more questioning of what the Force is. Um, But that ultimately made Revan an incredibly powerful leader and Force wielder. Um, So clearly she was onto something. Um, And then she also became, after uh, getting excised by the Jedi community, she became uh, a Sith Master. Uh, seeking kind of revenge against the Jedi uh, for for leaving her behind uh, for for reasons she didn't agree with. Um, But then she was betrayed by her apprentices, as often happens with Sith. So Kreia is this old woman um, who's uh, kind of like peaked beyond her years, but she's uh, tied to you, uh, the main character, the Jedi exile, uh, with like a, a force bond. So you two are inextricably connected for the entirety of the game. Um, and uh, you start to find out all these details about uh, about her past as both a Jedi and a Sith. Uh, and ultimately, she's at this point now where she um, is is like against either code. Uh, she she's absolutely against the Force in general. She believes that the Force enslaves Jedi's and Siths alike, uh, depriving them of their individuality, and that uh, ultimately the Force is just a will of its own that uses these two parties to uh, uh, ultimately facilitate a bunch of destruction across the world uh, and, and different conflicts between them, uh, which she, she's clearly onto something there, but she's a completely neutral party in terms of the force. She's an extremely powerful force wielder at the same time, but uh, she's really the key to making KOTOR 2 essentially a deconstruction of the whole binary of the light and dark uh side of star wars lore which i i think ultimately makes the game my favorite star wars property uh period i, I absolutely love this game all the ideas behind star wars uh whereas other characters are kind of represented on this binary system of light dark side if you go into the game's menus she's perpetually in the middle for the entirety of the game um and just the interactions with her as the player character just are incredibly interesting uh, an incredible deconstruction of Star Wars while adding to the lore. And um, I, I absolutely love this game. And so much of it is due to what an interesting character she is. I have not played KOTOR 2. Again, I, I mentioned earlier, I played KOTOR 1 for the podcast a few years ago um, and enjoy Bioware's work in general. And I've only really played one in Obsidian game at length. Uh, and that's uh, 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 The Outer Worlds, which I thought was very good. Um, but yeah, this sounds fascinating. And when I Googled KOTOR 2 characters, Kreia topped multiple lists of KOTOR 2 characters, comma, ranked. So I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I had HK47 on my list, so... No! <laughs> yeah, really? I did. Yep. Oh. Well, you reasonably... Oh, 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 well, okay, so um, you've already picked your characters, so uh, you, you reasonably could have picked HK for KOTOR 1. Right, yeah. Ultimately, I went with Morden, but I definitely had HK on there. Yeah, Bioware does supporting characters just so well. That's one of the best things they do. I had two on my list. I mean, I, me- I mentioned my uh, Rex, Garrus, Morden trifecta. I also had possibly a, a, a different trifecta of Alistair, Morrigan, Varric. <laughs> uh, but but that was only if Silvando got taken away from me, which gratefully didn't happen. But uh, uh, Jimmy, you are done with... Um, choosing characters but you still have graphics and two versions of gameplay to pick uh and uh, i guess 20 yeah 22 uh games that are taken and you have literally everything else to work with 
Okay, so I think I'm going to go with systems here, and this might be a little um, outside of the box thinking here. And when you first hear it, you're going to be like, really? This is what your pick is for systems gameplay? But I'm going with the original Gen 1 Pokemon games for uh, systems gameplay, because has there ever been a better system than to collect them all and level up a party of monsters and evolve them to get all 151 at the time. Um, it's just, it's, it's the gameplay loop that hooked me so much as a kid that I'm not sure that anything has ever um, hooked me to the level that it did. It just, you know, it took my whole school from by storm um, kids that you never thought played video games um, were trying to trade their Pokemon with you. So just based on influence alone, I'm going to pick first gen Pokemon for systems. Now, now, now you say that um, I, I've played a lot of Pokemon, J- just uh, basically all of the main series ones and a, a small number of the spinoffs. And I agree that the, the huge biodiversity of Pokemon is appealing. Like there, there's the hundreds of monsters that are basically your RPG party members. And there's dozens of eventually hundreds of moves to teach them. But, um, I, I would think that maybe a later Pokemon game is more appealing systems wise because Red Blue doesn't have um, the uh, Pokemon abilities or the physical special split or held items or uh, we- the or the gim- or a gimmick like Mega Evolution um, that I, I think that Pokemon has maybe never been more appealing at a fundamental level than it was in Red Blue, but its systems did get better and more interesting as the generations moved on, if only because they were just adding hundreds of more Pokemon, but also those more gameplay wrinkles. I I cannot deny how powerful the Pokemon formula is. It truly is awesome. But if I were to pick a Pokemon game for systems gameplay, I would probably pick a later one, but uh, fascinating pick. Like, like just the appeal of Pokemon is so strong that I am not surprised by, by it appearing on anyone's list, but I don't know. I feel like Pokemon systems still had some refining to do after after the first gen games. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I almost went with Ruby and Sapphire actually, um, as opposed to first gen, but um, because of some of the refinements that it made. But you got you got to have that Sandstream Tyranitar, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just I think it's because though that's the generation that that I started with. Um, I that I was the demographic when that game came out. So it's just, it was so impactful for me. And I really just wanted to, I wanted it to be part of this list. So here oh, it is. No, oh no, I get it. I think you and I are around the same age. So I was right there with you in 1998 playing Pokemon red and blue. Yeah. I played uh gen one to three when I was younger and, and really liked them. Uh, but then I just completely fell off Pokemon and never got uh super back into it. But I, I loved how Ruby and Sapphire also introduced the, uh, the two two v two Pokemon battles. I thought that was a great. That's addition. right. Yeah. Um. And two v two is the uh, pro Pokemon main format uh, at the Pokemon World Championships every year, which I which I which I attended once. <laughs> but the uh, yeah. Um. My, my favorite Pokemon generation is uh is Gen five the the black white games. But I mean everyone everyone has a different favorite for different reasons. But uh, yeah, great pick, Jimmy. But like Pokemon is awesome. It's 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 a surprisingly mechanically deep RPG when you get down to the bones of it or the, the fossils of it, as it were. Yeah, I mean, it's got such a good kind of base 
systems that they've just been doing the same thing for multiple decades and it's still absolutely a huge franchise. So there's got to be something there, right? Well, Zach, I don't think um, your board was damaged at all by Jimmy <laughs> by, by Jimmy's Pokemon pick. No, indeed. Um, but um, but uh, you have three spots left: side character, music, and systems, and two picks in a row. So, uh, what two thirds of those are you going to start with? So, for the first one, I'm going to go with what if I thought this was in any danger of being taken, which. Actually, Alex brought this game up earlier, but I, I'm i glad you didn't take it. Um, would have been my number one pick, which is Kaine from Near Gestalt or oh, Replicant nice. for supporting character, who is my absolute favorite character in any RPG by a country mile. Near does story and philosophy extremely well. Sometimes I don't think it does character extremely well. Kaine is the exception to that. Um, she is, I mean, like Laura Bailey brings such an amazing energy to her as a voice actress that I can't separate the two out. Right. Like it, like the level of profanity that she turns into poetry and almost like, uh, outside of Deadwood is the, (laughs) the best way I've heard profanity used as poetry. And she is such a fascinating character and, you know, thinking about what they do with her and replicant in the ways in which they define her character by what I always thought it was, which is really love for the people around her. Um, And she's so damaged, but so loyal and so freaking phenomenal. Um, Like she is to me, like the, she's my favorite character, maybe in media. Uh, I I love Kaine. Uh, She's so good. And uh, I could go on for days, but I I know that I I, I shouldn't, so I won't, but Kaine is great. (laughs) The raw emotion of that scene, uh, like after some of the fights in Shadow Lord's Castle, I know I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Oh yeah, was <laughs> th- that performance sticks with me so hard. And the more you learn about Kaine in the sort of second run of the game, you get more, or the second half of the game, you get more details into into her background and personality and her struggle. And it, it, just the more you spend time with her, the more you appreciate her. Um, her musical theme is wonderful, which is a consideration of why I almost got. Uh, oh, dra- oh I, I almost drafted. Near it's the best song on the soundtrack. Yeah, I, mean, I, almost, like, I almost drafted phenomenal. it. For, <laughs> I almost drafted it for music for that reason. Um, but uh, and, and when it comes with scenes with great profanity for comedy, I would I would definitely award it to a certain scene from the Boondock Saints. And for <laughs> and I guess also for comedy, there is a scene in season one of The Wire. Um, <laughs> they just say the F word over and over. Yeah, again. Yeah, we, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's McNulty. It, it's McNulty and Bunk at a crime scene. Yeah. Communi- communicating entirely in F bombs. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I just I mean, maybe I just like F bombs because that's kind of that's kind of how oh, the Boondock Saints I goes sure. too. effing do (laughs) oh boy yeah i I don't i want to minimize the chocobo works for this episode but no like um kaine like her crudeness and her beauty and her struggle and the performance of her character and it it all combines to a a truly excellent memorable character uh zero percent surprise that uh that you drafted um uh kaine here if I can draft Kaine, I will draft Kaine. <laughs> like it's that simple. Like I, I think I did her as like my flex in the, the Final Fantasy episode. Like I, I will always draft Kaine. She's so good. I, I don't really have much more to add. I think that was very thorough and, and put things well. 
without getting into too much but um I, i'm also just very i want to give us some gold stars for mentioning both deadwood and the wire in that answer so good job <laughs> uh, yeah yeah we, we're, we're fans of hbo prestige dramas here on retro encounter but uh anyway uh zach you still have another pick in a row um the first pick of round seven in fact so for music, I'm going to take what I would have taken if I was worried. Um, and I know I can't take everything from Final Fantasy 14 for music because I would if I could. This is actually a tough choice for me in terms of which expansion to choose, because my, my actual original choice was Chrono Cross. So thanks, Alex. Um, yeah. Uh, and the my system's choice is going to involve this series as well. And I, I don't want to do too many like. I love only two series. Um, so um, Shadowbringers is my choice for music. Which is tough because <laughs> Heaven's Word has some great freaking music. Dragon Song is so good. Uh, Endwalker has some phenomenal music. But I, I feel like the way that Shadowbringers uh, uses music is so special. Like, I, I feel like every single piece of music that it has in Shadowbringers, they like, listen to eternal wind from final fantasy three. And they were like, Hey, let's make every great piece of music from this soundtrack sound kind of like this. Uh, and they did. And it, it's phenomenal because eternal wind, first of all, is a phenomenal track. Um, it's the best overworld theme in final fantasy. And yes, I'm including Terra's theme. Um, and like some of the music they play during some of the, the later sequences, I think about some of the stuff uh, when you're talking to the crystal Exarch. I won't, say who that is uh for spoiler reasons uh like the music during those sequences is just fantastic and uh gosh uh the 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 trial in 5.3 which is part of shadowbringers uh which again i won't spoil but uh just like if you know the backstory behind it like that soken wrote that song while he was going through chemotherapy and also like the quality and the kinds of lyrics that he was that he he put into that song like they are so strong and like the variety that Sokin can put into it like i actually think that final fantasy 16 is one of Sokin's weaker soundtracks in the last 10 years and that's saying something because i think 16 is pretty darn good but i think shadowbringers is peak especially if you're including uh the uh, expansion and also like there's some near automata music in the expansion too so i'm gonna i'm gonna count that too that's true yeah you, you, <laughs> no, you, you get you get the you get the near mashups there you have yeah the, you like have, the, um... the the kine and final fantasy matchup that you haven't gotten too slow see because i know you're not this far in the uh, patches. that's correct i i, the I final heard, raid is I, phenomenal I, I have heard that track but i've not done that raid yet it's true yeah. but um but it's i freaking great <laughs> i also really like torn from the heavens slash dark yeah. colossus but. I mean, there's so much good music in Shadowbringers. I think it's peak uh, and, and Walker's great, too. So, yeah, Shadowbringers is my pick. And, yeah, I, I'm happy with it. Uh, uh, my favorite thing about Shadowbringers is uh, Shadowbringers music is uh, many, many Final Fantasy battle themes start with a staccato beat, like some kind of doon, 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 or like yeah. doon, 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 doon. The uh, the the um, Shadowbringers track Insatiable for a lot of the boss fights mm. Does this so does this do, 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 do. Yep. that is just like excitement and menace yep. and <laughs> and power and it is it is the best weird Final Fantasy staccato intro they've ever done and it's just for a regular boss fight and I love it that that's all I want to say uh, I, I that that's phenomenal uh, it's it's so good I'm not sure if Jimmy or Alex I don't think Jimmy's that far Alex you might have played this but yeah it's so good 
No, I'm still on the precipice, like just on the precipice of playing Shadowbringers. Um, oh my goodness, you know, are on the precipice of greatness, my friend. <laughs> I I, uh, I stopped playing FF14 in between Shadowbringers and Endwalker, which which you've brought up on the podcast before. But Shadowbringers, I think, is my favorite of all of the story segments. It's it's incredible, and the music is awesome. I uh, can't wait to play it. Uh, all, all I know about music wise is Lahi, but uh, you know, if the rest of the soundtrack is that good, like it's a, it's a great I actually fit. really, I actually really like that song. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually kind of awesome. No, Lahi's La, good, but it's not the best. There, there's the, the yeah, best. That is, is close. Yeah. The best is elsewhere. Final fantasy 14 is the ultimate. I wish I had more time for a game for me. Yeah. Just... yeah. Holy moly. If I, if I could just add a 13th month to the year and use it to play Ed and Walker, I would. Yeah, I, I even bought it for you. You haven't I played know, it yet, man. I, do you know how many podcast games I have in the pipeline? I actually do. I actually do. <laughs> so many. <laughs> anyway, Shadowbringers is good. The music is top tier. Excellent. That was some top tier excellent music drafted, and that was the last person to draft music. Um, Jimmy, you still have to choose graphics and gameplay, comma, action. Uh, so, and, uh, and, but you don't get two in a row like Zach just did. So how, what is your choice for round seven? I think I'm going to go ahead and take, uh, action, uh, gameplay here. And I'm going to go with Valkyria Chronicles, uh, oh, for nice. the combat. Uh, wow. I, I should have thought of Valkyria Chronicles cause that is a genuinely fun, great game. Yeah, speaking of, you know, when I mentioned earlier that I was kind of turned off to tactical RPGs for a while, um, this is kind of the one I think that got me uh, hooked on them. It's just a really good blend of, you know, a little bit of JRPG, a little bit tactics, a little bit uh, third-person shooter, and throw in some um, alt World War II history, and you get Valkyria Chronicles. So it's almost feels a little uh, XCOM-ish uh, the way the, the combat plays out. You actually have to aim uh, the guns, and then, you know, there's obviously some RNG going on behind the scenes and everything, but um, definitely um, the reason I really enjoyed that game so much was the uh, the action and the combat system. I mean, the World War II metaphors get a little clumsy at times, but the, the, the drama of that game is great, and the combat's one of the best parts like like uh, everything from the tanks to how you can uh, like how you can boost and manipulate scouts to solo maps sometimes is kind of hilarious. Uh, and, and a lot of good Sega staff worked on that game. I think it was a lot of like uh, overworks people that worked on Skies of Arcadia, but not Rieko Kodama, I think, question mark. For a while, that was one of the best reasons to own a PS3 because it was PS3 exclusive for several years there. Yeah, you're right. It was. Uh... I was definitely a fully uh, Xbox 360 person at the time, but um, once I got a PS3, that was the first game that I put a considerable amount of time into. It eventually got a remake, and now you can play it a bunch of different ways. But I, re- I remember that being a selling point on the PS3 for me because um, uh, uh, I played it at a friend's house or watched him play it uh, quite a bit of time before I got to do so myself. And uh yeah, that was that was on the list. Um, so Zach or Alex, uh, do you have any feelings on Valkyria Chronicles? It, it wasn't on my big board, but uh, it's only because I sort of forgot about how good that game is. It's, it's Valkyria Chronicles is great. Yeah, it's actually like very, very high on 
my backlog of things to play. Uh, I never gotten around to it. I I've wanted to pretty much since I, I heard about its release and I, I got a sense of all it's kind of like hybrid uh, gameplay mechanics. Uh, but I just haven't yet. I, I have it on my PS4, the remastered version, and I'm I'm really looking forward to when I do get around to it because it, it looks awesome from yeah gameplay perspective, story perspective, the visuals all look all look really legit. All right, well, Alex, I guess uh, you haven't played Valkyria Chronicles enough to put it on your board, but you have two more spots to draft: antagonist and gameplay parentheses action. So what's it going to be? It's going to be uh, action gameplay. Um, and yeah, I, I, I can't have Dragon Quest XI anymore. So uh, I'm going to go from Worlds of Joy to Worlds of Pain. And I'm going to step into the Souls series. Uh, so unfortunately, I can't choose Sekiro because that's just outside of our coverage. That is my favorite uh, Souls game from just like a combat perspective. Uh, I was debating Elden Ring just because it's got so much variety, so many build options, such a huge the exploration. World. The exploration's so so good, uh, but there's also parts of that game that just kind of annoy me and frustrate me, like the repetitive bosses and kind of some of the the difficulty spikes I at least subjected myself to, but I probably didn't have to. <laughs> but I, I got some negative uh, associations with my Elden Ring playthrough, despite absolutely loving and respecting that game. Uh, so I'm going to stay true to my heart, go with my favorite, personal favorite Souls game, uh, Dark Souls 1. It's um, a great choice. Which, um, you know, I, I acknowledge a lot of the pretty much objective improvements uh, to the combat that took place with Bloodborne and the, the even greater build variety of Elden Ring. But there are aspects of Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls to a lesser degree that I think just haven't been replicated in the series and don't really boil down to kind of just like objective quality slash playability uh there's so much weirdness to dark souls one's world design um and the level design that i really personally love uh, i love that it's the only game in the series that doesn't have like a hub world uh hub zone that you teleport to you're just kind of uh like you don't have that that teleportation mechanic that is really in every other game you just at least for the first half of the game you're just wandering about and because that world design is so damn good and interconnected in such an interesting way um it doesn't really become a problem um it's just allows you to like just spend more time like understanding the world uh just spatially i, I love like how you start off kind of at firelink shrine then you kind of descend into the depths and blight town it's this whole kind of vertical movement you could you could feel yourself descending into like the 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 bowels I mean, I felt of myself that world. descending every time i fell off a ledge yeah <laughs> and, and i i defend blight town's design i think it's it's oh. brilliant for what it for what it's going for um and the more times i play this game it's also the souls game i've just played the most uh, like i i start to master it and i get like a better sense of it and I just appreciate the obtuseness of it even more because I'm I'm working through it uh, upon revisiting the game. And just like the even the second half of the game, which I know a lot of people harp on, I just love 
the old school RPG-ness of it all, how like zones like uh, New Londo Ruins, like if you just go there, you, you have access to it from the beginning of the game, but if you just go there, you won't be able to damage anything because it's ghosts and you don't have means to attack ghosts. You either have to consume the certain item if you get enough of it to be able to make contact with the spiritual world or you can get yourself uh, a cursed weapon. I mean, like, it, except for like the boss run you have to do to get back to it, it's very Demon Souls. <laughs> except for it's not as easy as Demon Souls. <laughs> yeah, true. And and Demon Souls, yeah, is another game that has these more old school uh, yeah. flavors to them. And and even things like the Crystal Caverns, how you're just like walking across like oh. invisible areas, looking at like the snowflakes falling. Like <laughs> I, I I love stuff like that, and I I, I get why not everybody does, but um dark souls one's world despite like everything that the soul series has gone on to achieve on other levels like is still i know it's probably partly because it was my first one but it, i think it's so special i just like love the interconnectedness of it all and the way you move through it uh on both like kind of the spatial narrative level and uh just the design of it um so yeah uh love dark souls i mean i think this is a great pick like this bloodborne was my number two pick in this category um, and it's because a lot of the reasons that you just pointed out for Dark Souls, uh, like I think the combat in Dark Souls is honestly too easy. Uh, and it sounds like the crappy like Soulsborne vet jerk thing to say. But like, I just thought that like the fights were a little too easy. But like the way that the first half of the game interconnects and you don't have that fast travel and it's just like you need to find this shortcut to this next place. And like if you memorize all the shortcuts, like nothing is ever more than three minutes away. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that that's really brilliant. Um, so if I'm looking at it from a pure exploration perspective, stunning. Um, and I, I think that some of the designs are frustrating to the point of not being fun anymore. Actually, Blighttown, I didn't have that much of a problem with. It's really the area that the giant area where I can't see anything that I thought was infuriating. Oh, I loved because I couldn't giant. see any. I couldn't see anything. But there, um, are, there are ways that you can see things. You can get a spell that gives you brightness. You can get well, a specific you know, helmet that lights things up. You can have that, a, that would have required me to use magic, which yeah. I I don't do in these games. But <laughs> <laughs> except for to buff my strength in Elden Ring because I had to. Uh, but yeah, my point is like I I think this is a great pick in terms of like pure design, and I I love that you picked it too because like. So often when people are talking about Soulsborne games, they talk about difficulty, but it's really not what they're about. Mm -hmm. It's about what you're talking about. It's about the interconnectedness of the world. And while I might prefer it in something like Bloodborne, where I think it's like perfected here, it is so it, it's so endemic to the design that I think it's you can't separate Dark Souls itself from it. And I think that it's a great pick. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for just yeah expanding on on everything I love about this one. Yes, I haven't played Dark Souls yet. I uh, I'm only a couple games into my Soulsborn ring journey, as it were, but uh, it, it's on the list. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know if these comments make me more or less excited to play it because <laughs> because because some of those uh, caveats sound pretty gnarly because things like visibility and spills were things that uh, that messed me up pretty good in Demon Souls more so than Bloodborne, I think. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a confident pick. I'm a, I'm a little surprised there isn't more souls on this board. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll still get some in in a, in a future round. Well, you won't get any from me because I have never played a single Soulsborne game. I mean, well, 
an hour or two here or there, but it was pretty. It became evident to me pretty quickly that those games were not for me. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it, it's my pick now, and I'm I'm uh, I get two in a row, but I am going to start with uh, action gameplay, just like Alex did. And I I was considering Bloodborne for this. I basically had three games on my list. Uh, Bloodborne, awesome, absolutely fabulous game. Uh, could, could have been qualified for multiple categories, but its gameplay is really just intense and exciting and and awesome. Um, the other one I was considering was maybe surprisingly, uh, we haven't mentioned Nihon Falcom for one second in this podcast so far. Maybe, maybe no, we don't have any trails heads that have played all 14 games uh, <laughs> in this group. But uh, um, I was thinking about East 9 for gameplay as well, because it's a, uh, it's the best version of the adult sprinting around party members behind him fat fast switching between different uh characters for different combat styles um there's a lot of weird navigation stuff in east nine like you learn how to glide and run up walls and just getting around town in east nine is super fun but uh i'm doing a sort of a maybe a classic solosi pick here um uh and i was confident no one else in this group would pick it um action gameplay for me is monster hunter rise i mean i mean monster hunter uh it's a multiplayer action rpg 14 different weapons by the time you get to the 3ds era each with a uh um thorough move set and different monster hunter games have different ways to twist around that move set and all the other different wrinkles but monster hunter rises wrinkles of giving you um uh pet dogs to ride and be your battle companions uh to fully equip your pet cats that'll set traps or heal you or or play music that boosts you and and also uh in sunbreak you get uh, other battle companions that can fight alongside with uh you in the form of some npcs and an owl that will scout the monster out for you and most importantly of all a giant firefly called a wire bug that lets you use bug silk to spider-man across the across the area um the, the different fighting styles and weapons in Monster Hunter Rise with the wire bug techniques and the uh, the the uh, the incredible boss boss battles that are because, again, really Monster Hunter games are about exploring a hunting ground, finding the boss, taking down the boss as efficiently as possible, um, breaking off the boss's horns or wings to for better materials than fighting more giant, awesome, cool bosses like Monster Hunter Rise and, and its expansion Sunbreak are my favorite version of this monster hunter formula because it's faster than ever more arcadey than ever you can zoom around on your wire bugs in amazing ways and i think my favorite just regular gameplay thing i've done the past couple of years is uh in Mo- in monster hunter rise pulling off one of the shield moves called a, a metsu shoryugeki is basically a giant invincible uppercut that uh that you use to oh, you use your wire bug silk to uppercut the monster and then drag yourself down back to the ground rapidly to sort of slam dunk them at, um, into a stun. And whenever I, f- I land a Metsushore Yugeki on something, I feel like a million bucks. And, uh, and, and I, I put multiple hundred hours into monster hunter rise gameplay and, uh, in mostly in 2021 and 2022. I will admit that that is the game that we've talked about that. I am the closest to starting. <laughs> I am a little surprised to hear that. But uh, it, it's the truth because I, 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 I like the idea of the combat. I like the idea of it. It's, it sounds like a fun loop to me. 
it's it's an incredible loop and it's and monster hunter has gotten that loop has become gentler and more fun with every subsequent game and a lot of people still prefer monster hunter world to monster hunter rise and that's extremely fair and again because monster hunter rise is a lot wackier than world but uh i mean i mean when i'm thinking about the monster hunter gameplay that i find the most satisfying it's the one that gives you your dog steed and your and your spider-man silk so uh yeah, again, I, I will sword and shield and hammer and lance with the best of them in Monster Hunter Rise. And uh, when Monster Hunter Wilds hap- uh, lands in 2025, I might have to quit RPG fan to hunt monsters with all of my spare time. Yeah, this is a, a really great pick, uh, Slosi, which just didn't honestly didn't even occur to me. But uh, yeah, I, I love this series also. Um I haven't actually played Rise yet, uh, but I've played multiple other games in the series. And I I think what really makes Monster Hunter for me is that it provides the sad, like I'm a huge fighting game fan and it Monster Hunter provides the same satisfying learning curve of mastering like a move set and doing your own thing with it. That uh, is probably my favorite aspect of fighting games and plugs it into an action RPG with tons of co-op possibilities. So it's a great formula and a great pick. It, it really is the fighting game thing of mastering your move set and the souls thing of master of like learning a boss by their tells. Yeah. That, it, yeah, I, I've been a monster hunter fan since the PSP era with a uh, monster hunter uh, freedom too. But uh monster hunter does not have great characters for the most part. It, it's, it's kind of a story deprived game, which is why it's f- squarely in the action gameplay category for me. And I do have to talk about uh, narrative a little bit with my final pick because I get two in a row because we're in, uh, at the beginning of round eight now. Um, I have an antagonist to choose still. I, I figured that like Final Fantasy VI and uh, and other games would be long gone by the time I got to antagonist in round seven or eight, uh, and, I, and before I I knew I would I would have the fourth uh, the fourth pick in the draft. Um, so the the antagonists I considered were um, first of all my my favorite Yakuza villain who is not a lot of people's favorite Yakuza villain. I love Mine from Yakuza 3. He's a dark reflection of Kiryu uh, with a, a deep relationship with one of the other main characters in the game. That's, I, I think, really fascinating. I could do a whole podcast on Mine. Um, then I also thought about Dracula from Castlevania because uh, the different versions of Dracula over the years, and especially in the animated series, sort of paint a picture of him that makes uh, Dracula way more interesting than sort of the faceless vampire he was in the NES days uh, or faceless vampire that turned into a purple bat monster in the NES days. Um, but I didn't go with that either. I'm going with um, one of my favorite 16 bit villains that I was certain none of you would pick. And I, I guess I was correct. Um, and that's douse from tales of Fantasia. Hmm. Um, douse is really, is really fascinating. Uh, he kicks your ass at the very beginning of the game. Uh, so he's communicated to be a threat and powerful, a uh, threatening and powerful at the beginning. You're uh, transported to a, uh, um, I can spoil a little bit. You're transported to the past to fight douse when he was in his prime. Um, and then, but then you discover that uh, he's not just a megalomaniacal villain commanding an army of monsters. He's trying to stop the humans from exploiting the environment and eventually like destroying the planet that you live on. So your uh, solution is not just to uh, you're not in the past is not to just defeat Douse, but to stop Douse and also stop the humans from draining the plant, the your planet of its resources. And uh, because Douse's goal is to 
uh, return to the world that he traveled from with uh, a seed from the from Tales of Fantasia's world tree to regrow his his own barren homeworld. So basically, Douse is cool, threatening, uh, has a secret environmentalist message, and then towards the end of the game, a secret romantic uh, a bent to his character that's made him my favorite Tales villain basically from the beginning. I, I think he's really underrated. And when he cameos in Tales of Eternia as a uh, as a time god named Secundes, I, I, I even thought he was cool then too. So uh, I was I was sure no one would pick him, and I guess I was right. Uh, my villain for my uh, this little exercise is Douse from Tales of Fantasia. I like the pick, and I am glad that the Tales series got some representation uh, during this draft. You know, towards the end, I was worried about the lack of Tails representation and the lack of Falcom representation. But I really, I, I like Monster Hunter Rise too much to pick it over an East game. Although I, it, that pick was almost East Nine, and and this pick was almost Dracula. But uh, Alex, if you really want to, you can pick a Yakuza villain or a Castlevania villain because your last spot to choose is your villain. And uh, we're we're in the middle of round eight now. The we're, the home stretch is in sight. Go for it, Alex. Well, I'm still a bit stumped on villain. Were I were I to pick a Yakuza villain, it would definitely be Kuze from Yakuza Zero, but I've already drafted that game, so that's no longer an option. Um Kuze is so good though. He's so <laughs> awesome. I know Slosi thinks so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, you're 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 talking to the the guy who has Kuze as his PSN avatar. <laughs> <laughs> and then has since twenty twenty. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've honestly been Googling, uh, RPG villains for a little bit during this episode after my, my top considerations got taken. Yeah. So, so two ones that I was considering, um, were Gabranth from Final Fantasy 12, AKA Darth Vader, but Final Fantasy, um, he's, he's an awesome villain. And, uh, I also the villain from live alive was another one I was mulling over. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Odeo or like, Oh, like whatever. Oh, a letter O that is manifested in multiple ways. Yes. Yes. That's right. Uh, yeah. Dark Lord Odeo. Uh, and there's a lot more to him than just being this kind of, uh, personality less, uh, Dark Lord. Yes. Live Alive gets real weird at the end with the the, the villain. It's it's pretty cool. But I, I think I'm actually going to go with uh, a weird one, um, that also, I probably won't say too much about because it requires too many spoilers to describe. And that is the, the villain of Amori, which is a game about uh, depression, uh, a kid suffering from depression and kind of escaping into uh, his own internal world uh, of like memory and kind of more positive times in his life. Um while yeah dealing with uh very serious uh trauma and depression and um the the last fight of this game is pretty amazing um really cool kind of twist on what a a villain can be um and i think that's all i can really say about it so uh, i'll just leave it at that i have not played amori so i can't comment but now i'm that much closer to (laughs) trying amori i think yeah, I mean, I played the first four or five hours of Amori, and uh, I was supposed to review it, and then you took it over, and I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, every time I was like going into it, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, so I guess my point is, like, I have a, an idea of maybe what you're talking about, and I, I'm not sure. 
yeah, Amori is dealing with such really interesting themes that like I can't even imagine how thoughtful the final villain would be. So that's those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, I I love the pick. I'm really glad Amori made this list. Um, as someone that struggled with some, you know, some similar issues that that game tackles, uh, that game is just it does such an incredible job of dealing with uh, some of those mental health struggles. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're pretty accurate. You can't really say much more. Um, but like you said earlier, the people that know, know. So, but yeah, love the pick. Great pick. Yeah, I, I was emotionally floored by the last few hours of this game. It, it's it's incredible. I'm not sure there's much else to talk about um, Amori without uh, delving into spoilers that are um, probably too sensitive to talk on a non-spoiler cast. But Jimmy, uh, do your best not to spoil us on a game when you choose your final category, uh, graphics. So what game that is not one of the 30 already chosen uh, inspires you the most visually or graphically? Well, it's still my number one um, for um, my own personal visual rankings, so... And, but I wasn't too worried about it because I didn't know um, how many people had played it. Um, but it's Nino Cooney, uh, Wrath of the White Witch. Um, nice. That was number two. Visual. That was number two on my list. Oh, really? It okay. would have been like negative one thousand on every other category, but it would have been <laughs> number two in graphics. <laughs> it it yeah. was my number one game for frustrating, weird battle systems. <laughs> Yes, the game definitely has shortcomings. You're not wrong about it. But um, just if we were just if you were just looking at the game, um, it's just so great. Um, you know, complete with Studio Ghibli produced um, cutscenes, and obviously the whole art style of the game is kind of inspired by the Studio Ghibli. Um, you know, just it has studio ghibli has a look and that is the video game version of it and i just love looking at it um now that this might be the game that i would put um screenshots on my walls of um my kids too because they also love the visual style of it so i'm gonna go with that and feel pretty confident in it i'm glad it was still there no, it's it's a great pick. Like I said, like uh, we're we're talking about like these things like distinct from any other element of the game. And uh, Nino Kuni is like when they first announced that, I was like, oh my goodness, really? <laughs> uh, and then it looked so incredible. And I, I'll admit that like I was disappointed by it and its sequel for very different reasons. But man, the games look amazing. I, I have not played Nino Kuni too, but I was really frustrated by some of the gameplay stuff in the first Nino Kuni. But um, it looks beautiful, and the Joe Hisaishi soundtrack sounds beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. No, no denying that. I mean, if you're frustrated by that, like Nino Kuni Two is not frustrating. It's actually too easy. Is the problem with that <laughs> one? <laughs> okay, Mister. I played every Souls game in three months. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. <laughs> well, maybe I, I think I do have a copy of Nino Kuni Two somewhere. So maybe because um, I again I buy too many video games, but maybe if I really need something cozy, I'll consider it. But. I'm clo- I'm closer to going the other direction and just uh, punishing myself with Dark Souls and Elden Ring later this year. <laughs> uh, those are better choices, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Nino Kuni is a a great choice in visuals in the same way that I think Dragon Quest Eleven would be a great choice in visuals, where you're just like, here's just a game that's just looks. Uh, the whole art style is just based off this absolutely master's uh, signature kind of manga ish 
anime style and uh yeah that that's what Nino Kuni is and it's amazing all right well we've talked about 31 amazing games plus mm. uh several other um considerations but we only have one more game to complete our 32 game uh ballot and that's from Zach and it's going to be representing gameplay systems so Zach uh what job system or progression system or menus are your favorite of what you what you can what you can still select so this is going to be a controversial pick and it's one that might have gotten taken in other categories but it didn't uh and it is xenoblade chronicles 2 over three really yes uh, from a gameplay systems perspective it's not even close okay um, really yeah it's not even close so on that on that front not even close I mean, I, I haven't I've only played a bit of two and none of three. But I, I mean, my thought was three is the one with the job system. So that's the one that appeals to me the most. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, I mean, like you sort of have a job system in Xenoblade 2 because you have all the blades that you can assign, reassign, do a, a bajillion different things with. Here's the thing about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Like either you're into it or you're not. Like the 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 systems behind Xenoblade Chronicles two are insanely convoluted. Like you need to like dive a thousand percent deep to really fully experience what it has to do. But you could probably pl- clear the game without doing that. But um, like you 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 recruit all these blades, and when when I say recruit, like you pull them uh, with an RNG style nonsense thing, which I'm still even with that, I'm, I'm including this in there. But like the like all the back end stuff in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is so interesting to me, like in terms of the ways you unlock abilities by like, uh, depending on the blade, it's like killing this number, this unique monster or like doing this other thing in this certain town or like there's just so much depth to it. And you don't really have to do all that depth to clear the game or even to clear some of the biggest challenges in the game. Maybe you do to clear like, challenge mode battles that they added in but like there's just so much there's so much tinkering there's like going into it is almost absurd because there's so many different things you can do with it like i think that and i said this in my review of xenoblade chronicles 3 i think most people would prefer threes but like for me like the level of tinkering and thoughtfulness behind the scenes of xenoblade chronicles 2 was addictive and incredibly fun and it's it's hard to detach it from the combat because it's such a huge part of it, because the combat, I think, in that game is also amazing. But like all the behind the scenes stuff, I think, in that game and all the tinkering had a level of depth and fun that I have not encountered in another video game. And I, I left this for the last pick, not because I don't love it, but because I was like, most people don't love it. And I don't think anyone else here has played it. So I was good on this pick. <laughs> well, actually, it might surprise you um, that I support your uh, pick here, and I actually really dig it. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was actually the first Xenoblade Chronicles that I played, um, and then had to go back and play one after it. Um, actually, when I when That's I got rough. yeah, <laughs> actually when I got my Switch, um, I initially when I got it, I got uh, Breath of the Wild and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, and I never finished Breath of the Wild, but I got really into Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And it's funny you mentioned um, just how convoluted those systems can be because I actually got to a point where I almost was stuck um, and just thought, okay, maybe I'll just, you know, put it aside or am I missing something? And, you know, once I dug deeper 
and, um, you know, invested the time to really understand more about the intricacies of the systems. Um, I just enjoyed it that much more. And yeah, I really like Xenoblade Chronicles too. I'm not sure why it gets such a bad rap that it seems to get, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm glad there's another fan amongst us. <laughs> I, I, I've tried to play Xenoblade Chronicles 2 a couple times. I didn't really give it a fair chance any of those times. It, um, I, I just did not connect with the characters or situations as immediately as, as I did with the first Xenoblade Chronicles, which is the only Z- game with Xeno in the title that I've finished uh, all the way, although I did get very far in Xenogears before uh, losing interest. But um, did, did did you not beat Xenosaga? I thought you no, did. no, I didn't. I got oh, I I okay. got a I um oh boy, how far did I get? It was a uh, a sort of confusing dream sequence. Oh, that's pretty close to the end. Yeah, I know, but I I I I, I was I was unable to to seal the deal on Xenosaga one. But um, I, I the amount of tinkering and skill systems interaction in all three of the Xenoblade games is really really impressive. I, I, the one I have played the least of Xenoblade Chronicles three is the one that intrigues me the most. Cause I have a borderline obsession with job systems, but I, I, I don't doubt that the shenanigans you can pull with character skills and blades gets pretty wild in Xenoblade Chronicles two, as long as you're not, you know, just grinding for cosmos for hours and hours and hours. I got lucky on that one. That is lucky as Izzy. Who's also on staff who got it on their second blade pool. Uh, that seems insane. impossible. I, I mean, like I, I got it like my th- fifth to last and i was extremely happy like i was like jumping up and down <laughs> i got a one out of 128 pull on uh on dragon quest 11 a few nights ago and that seemed i, I, I think <laughs> but i think cosmos on your second pull is more impressive i think cosmos on your second pull is like one in a million i'm not even kidding <laughs> I, I i critical hit a metal king slime and he dropped a slime crown and i was oh my fr- goodness and i was, extre- I was extremely thrilled <laughs> i pre- played through that whole game and i never got one of those <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, my first pick of the or my second pick of the entire day was Dragon Quest Eleven. So uh, to bring this around and we're playing Dragon Quest Eleven for the podcast very soon later this month. That was an awkward transition to try and try this all together. But uh, gentlemen, we did it. We completed our RPG fan uh, retro encounter draft awards ballots uh, title um, working title. Uh, but let's go over the final list before we uh, um, close out, close shop. And I'm going to give you one question to think of while I talk about these lists. And that is, what is the one game or character that are you, you are most surprised was not mentioned today? So, and that could be something from your board or something that from the ether that you were sure someone else was going to pick. So while you think about that, I'll go over our lists here. Um, we have eight categories chosen by four people and no game or expansion is allowed to repeat at any point during the list. This is what we arrived with. Four protagonists, Clive from FF16, Geralt from The Witcher 3, Majima from Yakuza 0, and Kasuga from Yakuza Like a Dragon. Four antagonists, Luca Blight from Suikoden 2, Kefka from Final Fantasy 6, uh, Question Mark from Amori, and Douse from Tales of Fantasia. Uh, four side characters, Kaine from Near Replicant, or Gestalt, Morden from Mass Effect 2, Kreia from Knights of the Old Republic 2, and Silvando from Dragon Quest XI. Four of our favorite stories, Near Automata, Final Fantasy VII, Mother 3, and Chrono Trigger. Four of our favorite soundtracks, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, Fallout New Vegas, Undertale, and Persona 4. Four of our favorite graphics or visual presentations, Persona 5, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, Chrono Cross, and Okami. Four uh, games with excellent action-focused ga- uh, gameplay, Octopath Traveler 2, 
Valkyria Chronicles, Dark Souls, and Monster Hunter Rise. And lastly, um, four games with great interactive gameplay systems or customization, which are Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Pokemon Red and Blue, Disco Elysium, and Final Fantasy Tactics. Those are our 32 games, and we will not be changing any of them. But if anyone has a game that they think is surprisingly missing from this list, it can be generally or for a specific category. Um, let's bring it up a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll go first. You know, um, I was sure that uh, Final Fantasy IX would come up. I, I thought about it for music, and I thought about it for, uh, um, I think, gameplay systems. Like, like I feel like that's a really beloved Final Fantasy game, and I thought that uh, even though it, it was not at the top of any of my category lists, I figured someone would would have done it. Uh, Zach, if your wife was in on this draft, I think it would have been <laughs> it would have been gone by the third. It would have been gone yeah, by the that, third round. Yeah, that is for sure. Yeah, VV would have been off the board immediately, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't played nine in so long that like it, it's been like I'm not kidding, twenty five years, and it came out twenty five years ago since I played nine. So I, I can't I can't. Oh boy, I think I I think I played it once like twenty two years ago, and then a second time like twenty years ago. But it's been a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I also nine was the first one I I beat completely on my own, and uh, that was also like, yeah, twenty years ago. But does anyone else have a game that they were surprised didn't make it on the list? <clears throat> I, I'm surprised ten didn't make it. Um, Final Fantasy ten, because uh, it was on my board for a lot of things. Even though like ten is a game that I like and don't love. Um, but I feel like there are so many categories it could work for, like the visuals, like it was number three on my list for visuals. It's such a beautiful game. I still think it's the most beautiful PS2 game outside of Okami that, that I, you know, you brought it up and I just hadn't thought about it. Uh, the music's great. Uh, Oren is a phenomenal side character. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually genuinely surprised 10 didn't make it. The turn-based combat in that game is fantastic. Um, so yeah, uh, 10 is my surprise. The character switching is so smooth in 10. I yeah, just, I just, it's I just, so good. I, I just love that. Yeah, I think my biggest surprise is not seeing uh, Bloodborne from either of you two, Slosi and Zach. I, <laughs> no, I, I, th- I really thought about it for uh, it was, for it was number gameplay. two. It was number two for action gameplay for me. If Octopath Traveler 2 hadn't won, it would have been my pick. Yeah, I figured, I figured it would be up there for at least one of these categories for both the L, but uh, we still got one Souls game on here. So the representation's there. <laughs> I think specifically, uh, just if we're just talking about story, it shocks me that Kingdom Hearts is not on this list. Because is there a more coherent story that's not full of plot holes, that's easy for anybody to understand than that game? I mean, come on. I'm surprised nobody chose uh, Goofy as best supporting character. I, I, I know this is an audio-only medium, but I feel like you can hear my thousand-yard stare right now. I almost used my first pick on that just to troll Solosi. <laughs> that would have been an epic, legendary moment. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts... Kingdom Hearts Two was actually on my list for best music, for the record. So <laughs> you you know what? I'm not I'm not even I'm not even upset by that. Um, although we all know that Yoko Shimomura's finest work is, of course, let's say it all in unison: Street Fighter Two, Kingdom Hearts Two, Xenoblade Chronicles One. Okay, if we're talking about our favorite uh, Street Fighter Two character themes, maybe it's time to end the episode. But um, thank you so much, Jimmy, Zach, and Alex, for uh, dr- um, undergoing the somewhat lengthy draft process. It seems like we can't do a draft together without having it go almost three hours. 
but uh, maybe next time we can be generous and keep it to 240 or so. But uh, the next couple episodes of Retro Encounter won't be so long, probably. Um, one episode about bad RPG opinions. Okay, never mind. Then maybe that one will go three hours. Um, where we're going to share our un- unpopular opinions or controversial opinions and then react to to them. I've seen the dr- uh, a few of the drafts of this episode. We haven't recorded it yet, but I know some of the opinions that are going to be shared and get ready folks it's going to be a fun episode um we're also doing another episode about the dragon of dojima uh kazuma kiryu to celebrate the year of the dragon in uh, which begins uh, in early february basically some terrible rpg opinions and then maybe the best rpg dad outside of dragon quest 5 uh but speaking of dragon quest we are doing two episodes on dragon quest 11 which i alluded to earlier in this episode at the end of february that maybe those will go long because that's a long ass game i am near the end of it but i'm about uh, i'm also 70 hours in so uh we'll have more on that for you soon um also coming uh more like a dragon we're gonna do a spoiler cast on like a dragon infinite wealth sometime in march as well as a spoiler cast on dragon age 2 as a follow-up to our dragon age oranges episodes from december all coming soon Uh, and i think you know it is early it is late enough we can announce that uh final fantasy 4 is our uh game journal game for march we only just picked it a, uh, a week or so ago but i'm already trying to figure out the best way to play it um in another month after I get through all of all these games with dragon in the title, but listeners, if you want to email us about our picks for this podcast or games with dragon in the title, you can always email us retro at rpgfan.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, threads, Twitter, Twitch, or YouTube always as either RPG fan or RPG fan and also join RPG fans discord. RPG fan also has a shop where you can interact with us and buy things like coffee mugs or apparel or uh, phone cases. Um, a lot of things emblazoned with the RPG Fan Emerald Shield available on RPGFan.com slash shop. Uh, RPG Fan also has two other fine podcasts, of which I'm, I'm recording some episodes of those pretty soon after this. Uh, Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness and what games we're playing, and Rhythm Encounter about rhythmness and RPG music. You can review Retro Encounter or those other podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or however you choose to listen. We love all the feedback you're able to provide. But if you want to give us feedback as panelists and not as a podcast, let's share with listeners how to do that, uh, starting with you, Zach. Uh, you can email me, ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord as ZachW. Now, Jimmy. You can find me on uh, RPG Fan Discord as well. Um, I'm Turner-based Jim. Now, Alex. You can email me at AlexFranichek at gmail.com. And listeners, I'm proud of myself. Uh, I'm not going to be advertising a certain social media website anymore. If you want to find me online, you can find me on RPG Fans Discord or Instagram or Blue Sky as Evoker for Dogs. So you know what, Evoker for Dogs? I You know, I did draft some pretty good draw Capcom dogs. I got Amaterasu, and I got to ride a Palamute in Monster Hunter Rise. But no one drafted Persona 3. Maybe, maybe the remake didn't come out soon enough. Listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck.